I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. This is the Keeg Live. We're here to talk about DC Fandom, explore the multiverse. Uh, we might we talk done? about some other things. We might talk about some other things. You know, I got to give the fans what they want. And I guess they want DC Fandom, explore multiverse. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out as time goes on. Uh, first, let me introduce uh, my first guest. We got producer Gil Barron. Gil, how you doing today? I'm doing really great. I've been watching some DC fandom all day, so I'm excited to talk about Jason Todd. Yeah. Oh, just Jason <laughs> Todd all day, every day, man. All um, day, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, second guest and final guest. We only got two guests today, uh, final which guess? is normal. I feel like I raised the bar for the last DC fandom uh, episode where we had like six guests, and now we got two which is normal and uh i'm not embarrassed about it i'm not embarrassed at all paul lau how are you doing Hello. paul i'm great i'm here at themiscara uh no um yeah looks like i also that uh, looks like it got flooded let's that hey man like global w warming it's a thing uh, it looks like wakanda after namor uh submerged uh, it in avx yeah Ugh, so dirty he's yeah. so dirty um, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, glad to have you. Uh, yeah, you know, here. yeah. Uh, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, we are here to talk about DC fandom, explore the multiverse. Uh, will we go off topic? I assume so. I feel like anytime I get Gil on, we go off topic. <laughs> I like, I remember like, uh, I had you on, on the doom patrol episode and I think half the episode was talking about doom patrol and the other half is like talking about everything else. Literally you know? everything else, but I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I like that Paul has an invisible Mjolnir. Yeah, I think that's appropriate for Wonder Woman's home. Is you know she has the invisible jet. Maybe she has yeah. the invisible humor as well. Yeah. yeah, all the gods are there. I can only I can only see the handle of that. Like I can't see the actual. I can't see like, the actual hammer. Yeah, yeah I... <laughs> it's just the handle. Can you imagine that though? If you had a hammer that was only halfway invisible. Oh, that would suck. You would kind of like. It would just look like you're waving a stick. I think it would. I think if Wonder Woman were holding that, I think that would be cool because what would happen is the villain would underestimate if that was going to hurt or not. Yeah. You know, you just see someone swinging a stick at you and then yeah. you get hit with Mjolnir, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weight of a collapsed star. Yeah. There, there's this thing on Fortnite right now because Fortnite's going through a Marvel thing. Uh, where you can get Mjolnir and like have it land straight down in a bolt of lightning and just like decimate everything around. Paul, have you seen that? I yeah, hate destroys, it. I yeah, it destroys builds. It. Well, you yeah. got to go to the Stark uh, ships with the little bots. That's uh -huh. where you find them. Oh, you really? Get the Groot, the Silver Surfer, or the Hammer. Oh, and then I you have know. to kill Tony Stark to get the Repulsors and the Unibeam Blast or Dr. Doom to get the um, Doom Bomb or the Gauntlets. Yeah. So. Okay, so oh, now who's I who's going off topic now, gentlemen? <laughs> <laughs> um, Hashtag a month of DC is over or whatever yeah. that was. The DC um, win. I I have so much. I don't know. I just I have. I think I have more critiques and reviews about DC fandom as a whole than I do about the specific panels because I feel like the panels didn't show me that much. And I watched Here's a couple today. Here's what I learned this week. Yeah, I learned. Me that uh, Mark Wade is coming back to DC for a project uh, in mm -hmm. December. Yeah. Uh, we learned that the next season of Young Justice is gonna be called Phantoms. 
Okay. Uh, we learned that that five generation or whatever that was supposed yeah. to be called that rumored thing. We know it's not going to happen, which okay. is a thing we At already all? we already knew that it wasn't okay. That once uh, Didio left, that it just was never going to happen, right? I heard Didio is the reason Mark Wade wouldn't come back, and then Didio left. That's, that's what that I heard. Makes, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know that Bendis is ending his Superman runs in December. Yeah. Uh, and I loved that that piece of uh, promo art, but we learned that from the solicitations yesterday. That's not really something we learned from fandom. Um, kind of just right. learned that yesterday's solicitations, and we saw that really beautiful uh, uh, three piece set of artwork that like is DC across the eras that um, that Gary Frank drew. Did you guys see that? I didn't I get to see like that. That's like the last three issues of Death Metal, I think. Oh. How, yeah. how are you liking Death Metal? I'm enjoying it for what it is. I think it's super fun. It's, it's everything I wanted it to be. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, uh, recently I went back and I read through his entire Batman run. And uh -huh. it's, it is a, uh, just a lesson in dimin diminishing returns. Like, you have an incredible court of owls. Um, I really like death and death of the family. I think that's really cool too. I think year zero is terrible. I think so much of it is so bad, but you notice that it, um, that it all follows the same pattern. Like he clearly wanted to be writing a justice league book, but yeah. he was using, using Batman to do it. Like every, uh, every arc I think is five issues and they all have the exact same ramp up, the exact same climax and the, ex the exact same denouement. That's what I feel anyway. Maybe I'm wrong. but um, And I felt like he brought that same energy to Justice League. But I loved... I, I thought that really worked well in Dark Knight's Metal. I uh -huh. thought it was really cool that it branched off and turned into No Justice, which turned into Justice League Odyssey and Justice League Dark and proper Justice League series. I thought that was actually a really cool... Um, idea. I liked how those books kind of split off and did their own thing. I think Odyssey is the worst of all of them, but I think yeah. that the other ones were actually pretty cool. And I liked how it how it brought in Year of the Villain and uh, and Perpetua, all kind of like melded together with the Dark Knight with the yeah the Batman who laughs and the end of Justice League feeds right into Death Metal. And yeah. Death Metal is bringing together all of these strands of different things from around the DCU. I think that's a really cool thing. I think that he's still Snyder, so he's sort of like a more commercial version of Grant Morrison. But, you know, I, but I like it. I'm on yeah. board. I want them to wrap this up. Like, I just wanted them to finish it up. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been 10 years, right? Like, it's been a long time. Like, all these, like, different plot points. I don't know. I'm just... It feels like a long time. It feels like a long time. And okay. so, uh, like, I care nothing about Batman Who Laughs. Like, I care nothing about him. Yeah. And I don't like him at all. And I also... I think it's so wackadoo. It's like, everything that's going on with Batman Who Laughs, where it's like... Batman absorbed a rare metal that like helps him fight Batman and laughs. And like, I don't, it makes no sense to me. I'm reading it and I'm like, I just want this to be done. Let's move on to the next stage. Whatever they it use is. cards against humanity to write the story. That's how 
that's I, I feel yeah. the same way yeah no i um look i'm gonna be more positive about it because i think it's it's fun and i have no qualms with a creator doing their take on whatever the dc universe is right um yeah but it's for sure is wackadoo like it goes from plot point to plot point with not much uh not much actual character in between it's really just like oh and now we see a superman that's invaded that has like apocalyptic arm on him and whatever and i don't think we know what happened to swamp thing why he has like the burning heart inside i don't think we know anything yeah. about what's actually going on yeah but i don't know why don't Kill? they just make trading cards sorry that's you're <laughs> you're right this definitely could have been a video game or trading cards i think uh yeah i think that's probably right <laughs> uh Gil, just a Gil, set of action figures <laughs> Gil yeah todd mcfarland line yeah yeah uh, Gil always seems like he's going to come in and say the glass is half empty, but then Gil comes in and goes, "Hey, it's a glass. At least you, you drink <laughs> yeah. at least you're drinking something, you know." Like, <laughs> oh, okay. There are children in Africa who have to drink out of out of their hands. Yeah, just be happy you have a glass. Yeah, the glass. Like Gil's thing is like the glasses change from time to time. As long as it has something in it, I can drink from it, you know? Like, uh, just, oh, okay. I just got a text message from Mike Rowe. He's uh, telling me that uh, Fandom has the zero issue of Milestone available for free to, to read. Oh. Milestone zero. zero. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. Relaunch of the Milestone universe. Okay, so yeah. That's definitely what I'm going to be reading when we're, when we're when done we're hanging out. Yeah, uh. They have, I mean, if you go to dcfandom.com right now, like, they have so many panels right now. Uh, you know, you're not going to get to everything, so you have to really pick and choose. Um, Some are extended ones from the last time. Right, right. Um, which is cool, but they also have Man of Tomorrow, like, the whole animated movie. Uh it's beautiful, there. by the way. Did you watch it? I, I watched a little of it. I'm up to where he meets Lobo. So okay. All right. Tell me if I'm wrong. I watched the trailer, and my biggest worry was that it was based mostly on American Alien, that miniseries from yeah. That's years what ago. it seems like with Lobo, especially with, with Lobo's Lobo. Edition. That's that's what it looks like to me. Am I wrong? American Alien. I'm not familiar Did, with the. You show, never read it. So uh, okay. Because the biggest worry, of course, we were talking about Eddie Berganza a little bit before we got on, but, you know, American Alien is written by Max Landis. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah. it's the origin, it's the Superman origin that Max Landis got to write. And, yeah. okay, fine. You know, it's it's still on my shelf. Sorry, everybody. Um, you were curious. It's fine. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, no, I think it's a good... Continue book. talking. I'll be right back. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to uncancel Max. I'm just saying like it's a book that's on the shelf. But sure. my biggest thing is like, okay, they made a movie and it looks like it's based on this miniseries that was done by Max Landis. So oh, okay. Is, so yeah. is he getting paid still by DC for the ideas that he brought to DC before he was canceled, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I mean it it's all up to them PR wise on what they can cover up. And where you can draw the lines of separation, so. But I don't know if that's true. Like that's just my speculation. I mean, I guess I'll watch it and I'll see. It's not like it was the most unique take on Superman, but right. Um, I mean, mainly the the whole concept of it was that every chapter 
was a different like singular moment in Superman's life. So there's a part where he's like uh, a college, like uh, taking a gap year before college and he winds up uh, on a boat where people think he's young Bruce Wayne. <laughs> what? That's what? That's a thing? Huh. Well, it's, uh, it's like he winds up, uh, he, how do I even explain it without, I don't remember the exact story okay. point. Yeah. But like, I think uh, like he's on a helicopter that, that uh, crashes and he and the pilot are rescued by this yacht that it's a party yacht of like young college people and they're all Bruce Wayne's friends and he gets on and he, he gets rescued and brought onto the yacht and people are like, oh, you're Bruce Wayne, you know, because he's got dark hair and blue eyes and they're like, oh, you're Bruce Wayne. We wow. haven't seen you in so long. And he gets mistaken for Bruce Wayne and he winds up um, hooking up with, oh, do I... I want to say Poison Ivy, but it might be Barbara Minerva. God, you're going to make me pull my, the Max Landis book off my shelf. Jesus Christ. Watch out for the dust. Yeah. Uh, yeah, He it, it kind of opens up with um, him as a kid, and then it flash forwards to him on his first intern day at the planet. Okay, so, so it does skip all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it is Barbara Minerva. So yeah. him and uh, Giganta hook yeah. up. And like Jean Loring is on the boat too because she was like a young socialite and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, none of that so far. So, you know, you get a little Lex Luthor in the first 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, so no cape. Sounds like it's a little different. Yeah. It, it's just the animation is kind of like what's drawing me in. It's got like that thick line. Like there's a lot of video games that have that concept art right now. Okay. Uh, very. I'm not gonna say Studio Ghibli, but definitely a lot more frames of animation than what I, I, I mean on I, a technical. Yeah, I'm really excited to watch it. Then that's yeah, yeah. that's always been my main issue with the DC animated films that they always look so choppy and kind of cheaply done. Oh man, Flashpoint Paradox! Everybody, the proportions are so weird, <laughs> like Pitbull. Oh, yeah, the yeah, faces. Yeah. Last month, when during fandom, when they did that DC sale on iTunes, I bought the Death and Return of Superman, mm -hmm. uh, and I thought it was really good. I yeah. loved it combined as one as one movie, yeah, because it is the length of what an actual feature is, as opposed to like you know, sort of a sixty minute, seventy five minute animated film. You know, right? So it's kind of it. It comes out to about two hours, uh, and I thought they just did such a, a great job on it. Is that the one with the four Superman Steel yeah. and everybody? I thought that should have been Man of Steel too. Like that plot line, you could have simplified it, but like, <laughs> like Su Bat Superman dies in Batman versus Superman. Like <laughs> they brought him back, like back in Justice League. But yeah. I would have liked, like, if you're gonna do the death of Superman, you got to do the return of Superman right, and like, yeah, even if you don't do the death of Superman right, but like. Uh, I I want a Superman where I want like a thing where like Superman dies and Lois Lane dates John uh, Henry Irons, and so there is a parallel between John Henry Irons being the new Superman, you know, because the whole thing about John Henry Irons is like he idolized Superman, he creates a suit of armor, but it's like show how he is as pure of heart, you know, show him like how he how he deserves the mantle. Um, even though it doesn't pass on to him, he is steel, you know? Um, also, yeah, I think John Henry steel. Irons isn't appreciated 
because you have Cyborg on the Justice League. Uh, you got, like, okay, so we're talking black tech guys because they need diversity on the Justice League because hashtag... That's terrific. Hashtag Justice League too white, you know? And so, uh, yeah, Mr. Terrific, Cyborg, and Steel all fit that mold. Uh, and but hardware. Think, <laughs> and, and hardware. hardware. If, if you want to bring them, if you want to bring them yeah. to the forefront. Uh, Look, when I'm writing a DC hardware book is going to be the first thing I pitch. That's cool. Uh, I know almost nothing about hardware. Like, almost nothing. Uh, I mean, you, from what I've heard, the lore of the creation of Steel is that... Um, is that uh, the milestone creators felt that steel was very much a ripoff of hardware, and they oh. didn't they did not appreciate that the character was given like such a spotlight when hardware already existed. You know, but milestone hardware, wasn't the same universe, right? It wasn't technically the same universe. Like yeah. when they did the crossover a couple years later, um, I think it was called Worlds Collide. They did a steel hardware team up book. And those characters, they just did not get along at all. Because uh, Hardware was a really dark, angry character. Yeah. Like, among the Milestone characters, he was definitely, like, the Batman, uh, if you want to give them, like, those kind of analogs. Like, he was definitely, like, a dark character. He was a meaner character. Um, uh, it, I think that mostly he was meant to um, mirror mirror Tony Stark. Yeah. That it, and to be like, okay, well, this is the guy who Tony Stark stole his ideas from, is the concept of hardware. Mm. Is that um, that that this guy, I forget, the, I sorry, I'm forgetting hardware's real name, uh, but he's a tech guy who works for um, this amazing tech company, and he has all these brilliant ideas, and all of his ideas are being stolen and and used by the company and they make a million dollars on everything and he's not really getting the 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 uh his due and so yeah. he this hardware to kind of do corporate terrorism really um yeah so but i i love the character i think it's so great and i just think it's so funny um that that the legacy of iron man is you know, in all the characters that kind of mimic Iron Man or become like Iron Man are uh, War Machine, Hardware, and Steel are all three black men in in armor. I think that's really interesting. I don't know what that says about Iron Man, but I think it kind of says something. Yeah. <clears throat> like what the, do you trope, think, the trope of like a black uh, fanboy that I has to resort to because it's fiction and so fantastical for them to you know apply science which is not a stereotype unfortunately that the gender population because like that's the whole thing with afrofuturism is that it's sad that we have to imagine an africa uh, a wakanda where all these things have to align for um you know uh, african future uh, you know uh, yeah. not uh, excelling in it uh yeah, same with like yeah, same with like Star Trek with Jordy. There's only the like him, and then every other extra that's on the bridge just dies. Yeah, I think there's a oh. there's the trope of the of the black mechanic. I think is oh. sort of a a TV trope is, is something that exists in fiction. I think Mac on Shield. Sorry. I th yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Mac on Shield is an example. Uh, you know, for me, I feel like it goes back to like Panthro and Thundercats. 
Oh like yeah. The the mechanic, you know, is the, the black guy was the mechanic. And I think that you have the same thing with um with cyborg, uh like Dimitri was saying. And then on G.I. Joe, they were always rhyming or they were a ch- like a cook, you know, roadblock, <laughs> I think was like working on the um yeah, yeah like roadblock on machines. A, yeah, he was a mechanic, right? Yeah, I, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I do think that maybe all of this stuff goes back to the John Her- the John Irons. The John Henry myth. John yes. Henry. Yes. Uh, the John Henry myth, maybe. Man um, versus machine. Is what it really goes back to. I think maybe I'm wrong. Um, uh, I, I have a different theory about, yeah, go ahead. Um, about black. No, I'm mechanic. just talking out, out of my butt. So yeah. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah. I think black mechanic, the black mechanic trope uh, comes from the intersection of he's smart, but he's still blue collar. So he's not an engineer or a scientist because we can't give that to them. So this or is an old day, outdated thing, right? Where it's like, yeah. like, Oh, you're, you're, you're a credit to your people type thing yeah. where it's like, you could, wow, you could fix a car. You could fix a train. You must be smart for your people. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I think that's where the black mechanic trope comes from. I think. That's why I, I like yeah. the racial ambiguity of Lex Luthor in certain iterations. Superman the animated might... series mostly, right? Like yeah. that, that Lex Luthor to me is black. Like <laughs> I mean, they but he never really says, no. you know? But they never say <laughs> Superman is white either. So, they don't say race in the animated I, series uh, until John Stewart in Justice League meets um that old golden age guy who was like you're a cre- uh, you're a credit to your people boy or something like oh, that oh shit does that happen yeah. in justice league in john yeah. jones what the yeah, hell no to, not to john jones john stewart but yeah oh jo- i'm sorry john stewart it's yeah, it's yeah. the episode where oh, they're wow. supposed to be like the justice society but it's right. actually an imagination off of mm. this the like Beatles. the kid um so yeah one of because it's outdated and like they're they're golden age they say that to John Stewart and John Stewart goes, what? And then like, <laughs> like, that's the only thing they say. Like, at least the only time they tackle that. Is- okay. That was like late, right? Like at the end of the run? No, that was like first oh. season. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. I, you yeah. didn't say Unlimited. You did say Justice League. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So like, they tend not to talk about it. Like some people were like, is Harvey Dent black? Uh, in the animated series, but I don't think so. But I think Lex Luthor is. Well, it's just when you make him bald with those, because he reminds me of that, like a Bond villain. Yeah. Where, you know. Right, he kind of looks like Telly Savalas. That's who I'm thinking yeah. of. Like, he probably he be... was modeled after him. Oh. Yeah, I think he was. Where's Telly Savalas from? Uh, I'm, I think he's Middle Eastern. Okay. Yeah. I think he's either. I mean, are you looking it up? Of Greek, of Greek descent. Okay, Kojak. Yeah, I was about to say yeah, Greek. Kojak. Yeah, he could be, you know, he could be Greek. Mm-hmm. He does kind of look like him. Yeah. So, you know. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know the classic, the classic Greek last name Luther. You know, <laughs> Luthor. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, a lot of Philomar voiceovers that makes every character maybe black. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Philomar voices a lot, and you know who's been voicing a lot of black characters is uh, Carrie Payton from, like, you know, Walking Dead. Uh, He's uh, King King Ezekiel, and in Walking Dead, 
they in Walking Dead they make him look old because he has like gray dreads, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. he looks young and like in real life he's like in his forties, but he like he looks pretty young in real life. Uh, but he voices a lot of young Justice guys and like uh, oh he vo- uh, he voices yeah he voices young Justice guys. I'm trying to think if he voices Cyborg though. Oh, because I just watched the panel reading of season four, episode uh-huh. one of jo- how, how uh, Young that? Justice. It was, I mean, I I like seeing the actors read because I see their performance chops yeah. and their range. And it's pretty cool because they have a uh, Suicide Squad people there. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the Terror Twins first name. So when I heard Tuppence from Captain Boomerang, it's Tuppence Terror. That's and Oh. That's a double, uh, you know, they, they all have like several roles they're playing, which is super cool. Like mm. the computer and um, like Megan is Danica. What's her name? Kel- Megan McKellar. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, mm. oh, shit. Winnie Cooper from the Wonder Years. Wow. She's a mathematician genius. And she's my favorite green girlfriend from <laughs> Duh, Megan. <laughs> Sorry, you're saying? No, uh, I'm with you. I uh, I still haven't gotten to see season three because it's not on HBO Max yet. But uh, I'm oh, very yeah. excited. Yeah, they need yeah. to they need to put move that over. They just I moved over Harley Quinn. Actually, all of DC Universe is gonna get folded in, right? It's a uh, yeah. life raft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> HBO is a very nice Titanic-sized lifeboat. It is for the albatross that is. So, I mean, what else did we learn about DC fandom? Um, so the panels that I watched were C- the uh, three CW shows. I watched okay. the Batwoman panel when they introduced Javicia Leslie, the new Batwoman, and they talk mm-hmm. about her and her background, and she has like she has fighting background. Uh, and she has like athlete uh, background, like uh, in real life, the actress does, um, which I hope uh, carries over to the show. Um, oh, Brent says Carrie Payton does Cyborg and a lot of characters on Titans Go. So yeah, he he voiced Cyborg on Teen Titans too, the original. So, um, so Javicia Leslie, they introduced her and they talk about the show and where the show is going to go now that. Uh, 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 Katie Kane is Kate. Now I'm forget. Kate Kane, yeah. Yeah, Kate Kane. Yeah. Uh, You're thinking of Katie some... Kane. I know. I, I said Katie Kane, and then I was like, "Is that too close to Katie Keen?" But it's Kate Kane. Kate Kane, Catherine. Yeah. Kane, yeah. Uh, now that she's gone, like, where are they going to move forward to? Uh, so they kind of went over that. But basically, <laughs> my thing is, all these panels were filmed like two months ago. And it's not like they have any new footage. So I don't know what we could have learned from these panels that we didn't already know. It was more like, oh, let's see these care like these actors have fun or joke around with each other, crack some jokes. And like, I think it. they're chasing like nostalgia, right? Now that everybody's binged some of their, you know, media and they're kind of like, oh, yeah, let's have like a fan party for fans. Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a fan of like Talking Dead esque like panels after the show. But I wouldn't oh, mind yeah. seeing like the cast get together and reminisce, like with the uh, Harley Quinn cast or even shows I don't like, like Titans. At least I get to see the <clears throat> cast kind of, you know, go, oh yeah, we had to shoot that fight scene four times. It was freezing cold. 
Titans is trash. Titans is tight. I will watch. I'll still watch it. But Titans is trash. It has moments. It has moments. But it's an abusive. It's an abusive partner. You know, it's it's that situation. You keep hoping they'll get better. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. I feel bad. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're all like that's the thing. (laughs) I haven't watched it yet. Uh, You know everything that I watched. Uh, today was about shows that have already ended. So Stargirl was a fun, it was a really fun uh, thing. I really liked that Leah Thompson was the moderator. I was like, oh, Oh. what does Leah Thompson have to do with Stargirl? And I guess she directed one episode. Uh, And I would love to see Leah Thompson come on as a character. Like that would be amazing. And I'd love to see her, I guess, direct more. The episode she directed uh, was really good. Um, That's Mario McFly's mom, right? That's Marty McFly's mom and love interest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you like that? Ultimate Avengers incest yeah. goes always. Oh. And uh, and and I watched the Doom Patrol panel, which you know we talked about it before. Like it ends so abruptly, uh, just because uh, they didn't get a chance to film their last episode of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, Batwoman had the same thing. Batwoman's final episode, they, I think they knew it was like quarantine was happening, so they couldn't film the final episode. So they were like, what like three scenes can we finish this season off with? So Batwoman season one starts off with, or uh, finishes off with, well, do you want, is it cool if I say it? Tommy Elliott getting the face of Bruce Wayne. So, (laughs) so essentially they cast Bruce Wayne but it'll be Tommy Elliot wearing his face. So, because right. Bruce Wayne's going to return to Gotham. But it, they're, they were building up a lot, and then Ruby Rose quits. And I don't know what's going on. Like, I want to know what finally happens behind the scenes. Like, what actually happened behind the scenes, you know? Because Ruby Rose left, and it was just weird. I think it's pretty clear that the workload was just more than she thought she could handle. I think... I don't think there's a big mystery to it. I think she's someone who's uh, more on the modeling side of things and probably is good to, you know, play a, a supporting role in Orange is the New Black or whatever other TV yeah. show. But I think leading leading a show that's martial arts heavy and where you have to wear a bulky costume and deal with makeup and be, you have to, when you're leading a show, you really have to be the team captain of all those actors that, yeah. that is a lot of pressure to put on a person, especially if they really aren't trained as an actor. And yeah. God bless her, she really is not that good an actor. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I, I feel like, I just feel like saying that makes me seem so uh, patronizing. But, you know, she's no. clearly is just a very, is not a strong actor yet. And yeah. I think that's okay. And I think she was cast for her because she was a big name at the time. And I think, that CW was like, hey, look who we got. We got this person you guys really like from uh, from Orange is the New Black. Isn't that great? Yeah. And I think it was great. And thank God they had an LGBT lead and, and all of that. You know, I just, um, I mean, th- that's my take on it. I think, yeah. I think she's been very honest about it, that she just didn't feel like she could handle it. And I think uh, that if people take a minute to understand how much goes into making a TV show and how yeah. much pressure there is to be the lead on a TV show, yeah, network TV specifically too, right? Oh yeah, 
like 22 yeah, episode seasons. Not 10 like, episodes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, uh, like, mm. you can get Luke Wilson to do a 10 episode season of Stargirl. But, like, is he going to continue? I don't know. Like, uh, I hope he does. I think he's great on that show. Yeah. I but they also make it as easy as possible for him, right? Um, because he doesn't, he's not in like a fancy costume. His superhero identity is is just a big CG thing, and all he yeah. has to do is sit in a chair. Um, right. They, they make it as easy as it can be for him. And the same thing with Amy Smart, right? Um, yeah. She gets to look gorgeous and just be a beautiful person and have some fun scenes, and they don't make it too difficult for her. Yeah. Um, Brent is saying in the comments, imagine if Robert Pattinson was cast as Batman before he got his acting chops, like around, like right after Twilight. <laughs> but right. at least here's the thing though, with Twilight, he was the lead in that movie for like five movies, right? Ruby Rose has never been a lead. Yeah. That? Right. Yeah, that's true. I, you know? I don't, are there three Twilight movies? No, there's like five. There's that many Twilight movies? There's either yeah, four or five. Yeah. Young adult or supernatural romance, you know, dystopian. That's yeah. that's the thing. It's not dystopian. I mean, I just like all the genres. They want oh, to yeah, get yeah, to yeah. five because they, they're all looking for the Fast and the Furious, but hitting that demographic of like young teen adult dystopian so they can model it after the Harry Potter series. You know, split the finale yeah. into they two movies. To, they want to get to nine movies or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, Ruby Rose has never led um anything, and I think that you bring up a good point, Gil. Is that like I feel like being an actor on a show, even if you get paid the same amount, like you have so much more responsibility when you lead the show. Um, and I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna draw from personal experience, from my own small experience, is that. I, I was I once played the genie in a, just a stage production of Aladdin and I had extra responsibility because there was a it was a kids it was like a kids production there's like a hundred little kids that like after I do my scene on stage I come back and I have to act like the genie and just like morale boost little kids it's not part of my job it's not whatever but you have to do that so yeah you did warm you, up right and it's like can, yeah, can you imagine, like, that lead actor, you have to, like... And like, afterward, you have to be nice to every one of their parents. Right. Yeah, right. and you're still, you're still on the clock for another hour or two after you get off stage. Because, right. you know, if you get off and you're grumpy or you have a bad day, and one of those kids is like, the genie's kind of a dick. Like, yeah. that ruins the whole experience for them. Because it's right. children's theater. Right. Sure. And hey, you everybody, you know, who's from Placentia? Can I hear it? <laughs> it's just it's like yeah you just i mean think about Stephen amell in arrow and how much he had to carry just as the lead actor that like even felicity smoke even though i disagree with i i don't i grew to hate the character uh 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 what's her name uh <clears throat> emily bet uh rickards or ricards yeah. uh she didn't have to do that even though she was technically second Right, like in the show, kind of. Oh, for sure. Like, and not only not only carry the cast of Arrow, but also be the the sort of the lead of the Arrowverse. Right. Like, yeah. He had this elder statesman role that every new Arrowverse show kind of looked to him to be like, 
you know, you started this thing. What is this going to be like? <laughs> and from all accounts, he really took that seriously. From yeah. everything that I see on Twitter, like he really owned the Arrowverse as a, as an ambassador for it. He owned the character of, of Oliver Queen, owned um, owned everything around it. And, you know, and, and he's also a person that I think is just an okay actor. He's not, yeah. he's not a great actor. He never really was. He's um, a try hard. He definitely God, is. God bless him. I'm, I, yeah. Yeah. Thank God he tried hard. I mean, mm-hmm. but he really took it on as a, as a responsibility as a person. And I, uh, you know, ton of respect for that guy. Yeah, yeah. He stood up for Grant Gustinson for, uh, to be the flash in the cinema, in the movie verse. Right. Who did he? Yeah. That yeah. before, yeah. Before the movie verse was picking up. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, just just as a consideration, yeah. uh, I find that the birds of prey, the ill-fated birds of prey, where they're like, let's make them look like the comics and give these, I'm going to be a man here, the A-cup actresses, they try to like give them like push-up like corsets. Are you talking about the movie? No, no, the birds of prey, the uh, CW or the WB show. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, During, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was just like. Why don't you just cater to the actress's strengths than build an aesthetic from you mean the what old fits ones them? The 90s. Yes, the from the nineties. Uh, yeah. Two thousand and two. But yeah, that, look, right? that was yeah. The, that was the era, the UPN era. That was that's yeah. what it was, right? Here, here's what it makes me think of because that was in the time of like first run syndication shows like Hercules and Xena. And the thing I always think about is. Mm. Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Enterprise and sort of like the Rick Berman led Star Trek era because you know that was that was all really led by that dude's dick like that yeah, like the reason sure. you know I I have a ton of respect for Jerry Ryan because I think she's really an amazing actress and the same for Jolene Blaylock I think they're both really great actresses and I think they really <sighs> like elevated the material but Is they Jolene were brought Blaylock on to Paul to Paul yeah yeah. Okay. I think to Paul, I think Jolene was amazing. And I think you can tell in all of the press that she did that she was a real, real Star Trek fan. And oh, that yeah. She, and that she was truly disappointed by the way that she was treated on set by having to wear this cat suit and everything was about how big her breasts were. And I think yeah. the same thing was true with Jerry Ryan. Ryan. I know the same thing was true with, um, with Terry Farrell on Deep Space Nine, that she eventually left and felt that um, that Rick Berman had really like um, objectified her in a way that her character didn't need. Like she was she was theoretically the hot girl on the on the show, but yeah. she would get comments from from uh, him about like her breast size and stuff. Ugh. Completely inappropriate. But you yeah. know, Birds of Prey I think comes from the same era, and I think the I don't I you know Rick Berman wasn't involved in that, but I think the <laughs> producer of similar character uh, oh there was definitely a frat house of rick berman's for sure like, <laughs> yeah we have all these beautiful women let's make sure they're in in corsets and and high heels you know? yeah smallville was chock full of that just no everything well, was sexy it was sexy but it was still i i don't want to say age appropriate sexy but they knew that those those characters were still in high school they could only do yeah. so much but with birds of prey Essentially, Birds of Prey was trying to capitalize off of Smallville season one because Birds of Prey right. and Smallville season two happened at the same time. And so uh, Birds of Prey was like, OK, now we got these adult females. Let's just like let's leather. Right. Let's let's just do leather. <sighs> it looks it looks like the Matrix. It looks like Underworld. It looks like all of those yeah. things. Yeah. 
uh, for a reason, because that's what the aesthetic was at the time. Yeah, um, sure. Rachel Scarston started on that show. I remember that. I had a huge crush on her because she was a, you know, she's what, like five years older than me in real life. But like, so she was like still playing a, a teenager while I was a teenager. And uh, and then she goes on to do, I mean, other TV shows and stuff and then comes back for Batwoman. And I love her in Batwoman. Like, she's amazing. Was she on Batwoman? Who does she play on yeah. Batwoman? She plays Kate Kane's sister, uh, Alex. Oh, okay. oh, you know? I didn't she realize. plays the villain. Yeah, I, I didn't make a connection that she had been on Birds of Prey. I yeah. watched the first half of the first season of Batgirl um, or Batwoman. Batwoman? I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've already given you my opinion on, on Batwoman. I think yeah. uh, my I didn't watch the panel with the new Batwoman. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, yeah. It could be general. better. Like, it could be better. Comic I'm continuity sure. aside, like because, again, I'm a continuity whore. Uh, I'm like, ah, how come it's not fitting with anything I think previously? You know what I, I recently did that that the, that makes me think of is I recently uh, watched Dark Knight Rises, um, uh, kind of half paying attention to it. And uh-huh. I was really thinking about it in terms of, like, the story that Nolan was, was telling along all the three movies and kind of, like, turned my continuity brain off and like every part of me that thought it was stupid that you know that um that uh the character's like uh that is he's robin at the end and all that stuff yeah. turning off my mind to all of that stuff i enjoyed it a lot more uh the mm-hmm. tweet i did was that like you know i was watching it while kind of scrolling twitter and that made the movie better um, yeah. because i think the less you think about that movie the better it is yeah uh, but, you're, but you're talking about dark knight rises specifically yeah Okay. But yeah, yeah I, think, I think that if you watch it specifically from a point of view of the movie they're trying to make, I think that it works okay. I think when you realize that that was their version of adapting No Man's Land and Nightfall, I think that it completely falls apart because. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, because it clearly doesn't do the things that those stories were trying to do. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, forgive Dark Knight Rises, and I'm only going to be watching it again when I want to watch it for what it is and not as, like, the third part of a Batman story. Well, yeah, uh, Bane is yeah. the chief and the dragon, as opposed, like, in the comics. But in this, it's the switcheroo of Talia being the chief. Mm. And I, I don't know, like, yeah, he doesn't have his own, like, autonomy. He's just a tool. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, are you, is that a, is that a normal saying chief and dragon? Yeah, or did you just means. come up with that? No, no. In storytelling. So there's like the yeah. dragons, the big bad and the chief, I mean, bond, you know, same standard archetypes. Yeah. I just thought it was common. You guys were like script writers and stuff. So I didn't know that that was an actual thing. <laughs> Why don't you guys know? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't know. Like when I, I talk to other people that use that yeah no i've never heard that term but i like it like the yeah the dragon yeah. it's like yeah if you're like yeah like if you're doing i mean i guess batman forever doesn't have either right they're both chiefs and not enough dragon right uh what's well i mean two-face doesn't two-face ends up being just kind of muscle yeah okay because he has yeah uh the riddler's the architect batman and robin poison ivy's 
the chief and freezes the dragon or bane is the dragon right yeah uh, i guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> is a know. dragon or even like a sub boss yeah okay yeah he's yeah bane's yeah bane and batman and robin uh that's too much and um, Flor florin man what's his name floronic uh, Flor man. man yeah he's played by uh lex's dad in smallville and yeah and john and john glover yeah john, john glover. glover what a magnificent bastard yeah yeah uh what's he up to does he is he doing anything john glover he yeah. acts i'm guessing he does a lot of voiceover yeah someone hit him up give him a call ask him what he's oh, up to. um the other piece of news i heard was that yeah. uh the superman costume from superman and lois is going to be a different costume than we've seen okay. i feel like all of these announcements have been like very small tidbits yeah okay he's uh, getting a new i watched costume. i watched half of that panel um because they weren't sit telling anything new uh and so and then like i skip forward and they're just draw they're they're doing a drawing contest for the s shield and i'm like oh all right but jim lee <laughs> was hosting jim lee was okay. hosting that panel um and I, I didn't get to hear about the new costume but it's like superman and lois have two boys right. and they move back they move back to smallville because something happens they say they can't tell us what but it's probably like ma kent or pa kent dies or something right sure so someone has to take care of the farm yeah. well look <laughs> sorry they're stuffed in the fridge it's like what oh, the hell oh <laughs> next to my fridge. favorite rhubarb fruit pie uh, what yeah. fridge the kents you know the way you're like nonchalantly like one of them's gonna die we were all yeah. holding our breath or both of them it's probably the last one one probably died before and it's the final one that dies you know it's uh pete <laughs> pete's kid he's hooked on drugs fairly smart idea because supergirl is clearly the superman show right like yeah. the way that they created supergirl on cw was that they're like oh okay who's gonna be our perry white Who's going to be our Lex Luthor? Who's going to be our Jimmy Olsen? Who's yeah. going to be our Lois Lane? And they kind of got to blend up all those characters, you know, yeah. and say, okay, uh, Winslow Shot is going to be the the Jimmy. And yeah, uh, and Jimmy, Jimmy is the Lois. Jimmy is the Lois. And right. Cat Grant, Cat Grant is the Perry White and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, and so Supergirl, like very specifically mirrors a what a Superman show should be. Um, and I think now, I think it's grown into its own show, so it's a little bit different, but I think it makes sense to start a Superman show in a very different place to say like, okay, yeah. well, we're going to go back on the farm and he's still going to be Superman. It's going to be a little more of a family drama, but we already have a show that covers the traditional Superman tropes. Right. Um, cause I mean, they also want to separate it from Lois and Clark, right? Right. I mean, mm, where yeah. it's it people shouldn't really be just... remember that show. I do. Do people do people remember or do we? I'm asking if people generally remember I, it. it was... I'm 39. Oh yes, I do. I mean, I'm hey. yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm close to that. Uh, the Terry not... Hatcher. Holy shit! The A-frame haircut, the silhouettes where she's changing in front of Clark. Yeah, those giant gorgeous. funky ties oh. that. Yeah, Mark. Huh. No, what? she's she's gorgeous. She was always gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that straight off of James Bond, or did she do James Bond at the same time? James she Bond did it before. After. Oh yeah, yeah. That's right. After. Yeah, oh, she, James. James Bond. Yeah, after. Golden Eye was after Lois and Clark, right? Okay. Just think N sixty four. Two years <laughs> after Golden Eye, 
GoldenEye the N64 game came out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. N64 I don't, what? 1996? Uh, I played Ocarina of Time my sophomore year. I'm not going to do the math. You do the math. It's your life, <laughs> it's like, man. No, no, I'm, I'm, so I'm saying 90, 96. <laughs> 95, 96. Yeah, okay. okay. Think about my Letterman jacket. Like, what were those numbers? Generally in the culture, people remember Lois and Clark. If, if you heard the theme music today, would you... Oh, not it? the theme music. Just the name Lois and Clark. I feel... Because it's more... a play off of Lewis and Clark, so... Yeah. I think so, yeah. It was it it's really, good. though? Was it actually... Yes. Okay. yes. Lewis and Clark. That's um, the first time they l- were talking about wet ass pussy. Was the finding of the Mississippi River and Lewis and Clark, and she. This is a bad joke that is yeah. very loosely. Oh, together. it's a bad joke. <laughs> bad joke on purpose. All right, you're welcome. All right. Uh, so, um, what uh, what was the other panel? Oh, I watched the Legends of Tomorrow panel because I love Legends of Tomorrow, and the actors are so great. Like they're just fun and. I was willing to watch a panel for that just to see them interact, uh, which I thought was cool. Um, but we didn't learn anything new. None of yeah, the stuff I learned anything new. Harley Quinn panel didn't learn anything new. Um, yeah. But you know, it's animation, so you know it's it's so far in advance and stuff. But it was nice to see like Lake Bell talking about Poison Ivy, and um, it was clear that like the, they were all having a ton of fun at it. Mm. Yeah, Ron Funches being like, yeah. I was on another show called Powerless. Turns out if you don't have superheroes, nobody cares. So then I came <laughs> on this show. Pretty good Ron Funches, honestly. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> Such a sweetheart. Uh, I uh, love yeah. King Shark. I love King Shark on that yeah. show. Yeah. Except for yeah. when he eats people. Like, I don't like the gore you of like the King gore? Shark. I don't like the gore. But he is King Shark. I know. But it's sad, like, that episode... Uh, you've seen it, right, Gil? Like, everything? Yeah, I've seen the whole thing. Okay. Uh, where where he talks about his brother. Like, where it's that scene with his brother, and he eats his brother. Okay. Yeah. I don't... I, it makes me sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> they have yeah. different relationships. It's a different dynamic. Yeah, no, he's a shark. Yeah, I yeah, know. But, like, he eats his brother. That's sad. Like, when... When Harley Quinn does the um, uh, the flame gun the, on the ice cave, and she goes, "Look what I made!" and they're like, "Uh, a vagina! Oh, a human vagina! <laughs> now I see it!" <laughs> <laughs> like it's brutal in Atlantis and all the other surrounding kingdoms. Yeah, like I, I like I'm sorry to use uh, Namor, but Namor has sex with anybody but redheads. Yeah, like I told I told you that, right? Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, maybe I told you was. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, I, uh, I pay yeah. very little attention to Namor. I find his character design to be super stupid. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> I've never been interested in Namor as a character. The only time I've ever paid attention to him was when he fought Aquaman in that uh, DC versus Marvel yeah. uh, book, and it was my favorite moment because Aquaman's just like. Fuck you, I'm going to drop a whale on your head. <laughs> right. I like no. Aquaman better than Namor, because I've always been an Aqua fan, because he's a badass in the comics. But nobody knows that, because they think of Aquaman from Super Friends. I guess they do. I, th- I think at this point, they th- probably think of Jason Momoa. Now they who, do, yeah. 
super super broy Aquaman, which I think is almost worse than being like this useless Aquaman. Look, if if there's one media portrayal of Aquaman that I love, it's John DiMaggio on Brave and the Bold. That is the Aquaman. <laughs> uh-huh. I, Outrageous! Uh, yeah, Huzzah! that's the I want to be the incontinuity, just swashbuckling, just having the fucking time of his life. I'm the king of an undersea kingdom. You know, just yeah. This is the adventure I shall call Batman and Aquaman go on a quest. Why are you riding any... on a bug? Yeah, it's, it's a, a silverfish. Silver fish. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love it. I got that in stereo. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I mean I don't know. Like I like the cheese ball stuff of Brave and the Bold because it's fine. I love it. But yeah, if I huh, Justice League I, drops I, the ball on so many things, so having Bro Aquaman is like the is, least of it to you. It's the least of it. Yeah, I just think I just think it gives him so little character. And it gives him so few places to go. Um, yeah. I think I think what like exemplifies it to me is he comes out on the on the pier right in that Scandinavian town. Yeah, and he takes the bottle and he smashes it on the ground. And like I remember in my head being like, okay, so what's a what's a worse comic book movie sin? Batman killing or Aquaman polluting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like yeah. a country music. Video, and then they're like yeah this can be the new aquaman it just having drunk <laughs> right and yeah i think that's that's the way it is in the movie like i think one one way that i find it interesting to think about the aquaman movie is that it's it's black panther from the perspective of killmonger right <laughs> right like that's that's essentially what the story is it's this guy who's oh, like a yeah. long exiled person with a claim to the throne and he yeah. shows up and he beats up the king seemingly for no real reason like i'm not really sure why ocean master is a bad guy in the movie like i don't see him really doing anything bad i think he's kind of preparing for war with the surface world but it's like the... he's fabricating a war though right isn't that kind okay. of what it is it's hard for me to follow that movie honestly i honestly have yeah. no idea I've started it's, and stopped that movie like five times. It's yeah. two hours of ten plot lines, you know. Well, also your eyes hurt from oversaturation. I agree. Uh, I, yeah. Yes, I, I just think like it's really hard to understand his motivations because the whole time he's going through being like, I don't want to be king. Me, king? I don't think I would be a good king. I don't think I'm very good to be a king. And then he just gets the armor, and you're like, Ah, I see you are king now. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, it just like I don't know what he wants in the movie. I, I know it seems to be clear what he doesn't want until it just, he wants it, it. Right? It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, <laughs> but I think have you guys been reading uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's uh, Aquaman? I haven't read Aquaman <laughs> lately. I I read it up to a certain oh, point yeah. and then I stopped. Oh, at what really point does that start? At what point does that start? I think I think she's like two or three years in already um that's all in trade now it's all in like volumes uh you should definitely check it out uh but it's all i I just think it just takes so many aquaman things and just distills them to their basics and really streamlines the story and it's as much aqualad's story as it is arthur's you know Um, which which aqualad 
uh, Black Aqualad. Okay, I want to say Calder, Calder, but he's not Calder in the comics. What's the name no, of the Calder? Jackson Hyde. Jackson Jackson Hyde, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's really as much Jackson's story as it is Arthur's. Okay. Um, and you know, it's it's the story of uh, of Mira's pregnancy, and she's the queen of Atlantis, and the whole time Aquaman is exiled from Atlantis, like he's. The entire time he's not allowed to go to Atlantis, but his yeah. baby's about to be born over there, and mm. and Mira is in charge, and he's kind of in Mercy Bay or Amnesty Bay, and kind of taking care of uh, Amnesty Bay as a, as a superhero. Yeah, there's a uh, ton of cool stuff going on in it. I think it's the art is gorgeous. Yeah, I I I just I, I'm thinking about how like Amber Heard as Mira, like isn't Mara to me. Like, Mara to me is Furiosa from Mad Max. Like, Charlize yeah. Theron, mad. That's Mara to me. Like, proud, strong, can get angry. Like, Mara. Right? Yeah, I'm on... Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I they see. have a sibling chemistry. Sorry. Who? Do they? Aquaman? In the movie? Amber Heard and Jason Momoa. To me, like, she seems more annoyed that she's, like, with him most you know but not in that classic 80s way yeah well, they she's want that. right she's right she should be annoyed that she's with him He's, <laughs> yeah but that, i mean what i mean is there's no sexual tension there yeah there's no from real what i can read chemistry i agree yeah yeah Sorry, no i'm no, with you. I, mean, I, I agree with you oh i, I thought you're saying something gil and then i like no, no, just saying i agree with you i oh, i think okay. i also think she's in like weird technicolor colors with the super bright red hair and i just don't, don't think it feels like it exists in the same physics as anything else um yeah. it's what we were saying about like the look of the movie is so oversaturated and i think um just everything about it i well, just uh that was uh explained with how he can see underwater great like, Fine. no no right. i know it doesn't condone it but mean, it's like care. yeah and it felt very built for like you know when 3d like so I complained about Spider-Man 3 where it's like, all right, something's sticking in their eye or there's glass. Let's see every angle of it. Yeah. Those 360 shots with Nicole Kidman. That very first scene was like, I don't want any more of this. One time is enough, but you're probably going to keep doing it. Yep. Okay, yeah. here we go. I, I think, Yeah, I don't know. I think that they should have, uh, uh, weirdly enough, gone a little bit more Black Panther and talked about race a little bit. Because for the first time, we have uh, we have a Polynesian Arthur Curry Sr. Right? Is Arthur Curry Jr. Is, is it a senior or junior? Is it a I senior junior? Jango yes. Fett? Yeah. Okay. Let's but yes, you have you have Tamura Morrison, who's 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 Maori. Uh, and then Jason Momoa, who's supposed to be half. And you have almost all white Atlantis, right? Like at least in the royal right. bloodline. And so, because in the original comics, in the comics, at least in Peter David's run, I think in the 90s, you talk about how Arthur Curry is is thrown away from Atlantis for being the first blonde in Atlantis. Yeah. You know? Right. And so, like, he's... And the same thing with, uh, with Garth, with um, Aqualad, that he has purple eyes, right? Ah, he's born, yeah. He's born with purple eyes, which is considered a curse. Uh, yeah, to Atlanteans, and so right. he gets abandoned. Also, so it's like this other. They have this other property, right? So like that's they're not they're banished and exiled because of it. And mm. you have so I thought like 
okay, there's this weird thing where like everybody, at least in the royal family and everything, is white, except for uh, is it Ludi Lin, um, who's Asian, but they whitewash the fuck out of him, like to give him blonde hair and they pale his skin, like so he looks like a creep. Yeah. Like to who? Ludi Lin. Um, he's he's uh in he's one of Orm's guys. Like he's okay. like one of the only speaking parts that like is given to Orm's henchmen. He's weird. I don't know. He's weird. They make him weird looking and they, yeah. they essentially whitewash him. Yeah. Willem um, Dafoe's the only normal person in that entire movie. Right. And so they do this thing, but then they don't explain like, is it just supposed to be a visual thing? Like Jason Momoa is tan and thus he looks different. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of drop balls. They just don't do anything with it. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of drop balls with Aquaman, which makes it weird because there's 10 different plot lines, but none of them are emotional plots. They're all like... Uh, uh, plot driven? Yeah, it's very plot driven. There's no character. Very uh, mechanical corporate yeah. uh, machine that pushes, you know, the uh, the rock of ages. Uh, yeah. Only to make another horrible uh, Ouroboros poop. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I yeah. guess. Uh, um, <laughs> one interesting, <laughs> very cynical. Uh, during the Three Jokers panel, was Jason Fabok talking about his influences um, and talking about the differences between the Three Jokers, and he yeah. was talking very specifically about. Um, oh, I'm forgetting the artist on the Killing Joke. Um, uh, Brian Boland. Brian Boland. That that he's literally taking. He's studying Brian Boland's line work for um, for Three Jokers to yeah. adapt to make it I look can, like. I can see that. Did you read the first issue? Yeah, I thought it was uh, very Jeff Johnsy. I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought it was a lot of. You know, it's very Jeff Johns. It's a lot of symbolism that doesn't mean much, um, but God bless it. I think that <laughs> you know. There's, there's certain like anatomy and physics that Faybach does that like, the, I think the detail that he does on his characters uh, makes up for some of his terrible anatomy. Um, oh, okay. But I, it's just certain shitty things, but mo most of it I thought was good. I liked bringing back Gaggy for a stupid moment, but that's such a Jeff Johns oh. thing to do to bring yeah. back Gaggy as a character just to die. He's, uh, yeah. He's yeah, the, the the little person, the, yeah. the midget. Uh, That's the, right. Yeah, it's um, it's stupid. Is the continuity of three Jokers essentially that there's always been three Jokers, just we operating at the yet. same time? We don't know what the mystery is yet. Because that's what it seems to me that it's just like there's always been three Jokers. I think that that's what they're. I think that's what they're leading toward. I think Jeff Johns said during the panel that specifically they aren't from three different universes. It's not a multiverse yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. So theoretically, yes, it's probably that there's always been three Jokers. That's probably the thing that Jeff Johns wants to add to continuity, but that's a Jeff Johns thing, baby. He gets to do yeah. whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, I, I saw that. I thought his explanation was like, they all look alike. That's why Batman doesn't, the great, the world's greatest detective. Yeah, because notice. they look so much alike. Yeah, you're right. And it was just like, what are you saying? <laughs> but they also wrote it into continuity that, like, you can't DNA test the Joker. You can't finger, like, 
you can't fingerprint him. You can't DNA test him. You can't was, facial was that recognition Snyder, him. Was that during Snyder's? I don't know, but that they brought it up in Joker, uh, in um, Three Jokers. Jokers, when they said like that that acid makes it impossible to DNA test the victims. So okay. Harley Quinn and him both don't have readable DNA. I guess. Uh, <clears throat> and fine. that's why like you can't tell who's the Joker. And it makes it seem that like, oh, you have the three Jokers operating at the same time. And that's why the Joker's always written differently over time. Like there's the goofy joke. Because they say the three are the criminal, the comedian, and the clown. That's what they right. say. Prankster. So, the, the way they described the three of them in the panel because you know if you did that with the joker you'd end up with 18 jokers right because right, right. there's there's a ton of different takes on the joker uh, right. and they're all really interesting right but the way that they described it was golden age joker that's very much just uh just like a mob boss in clown makeup is golden age oh yeah okay yeah the 1940s joker yeah. um then you have sort of um 1950s 60s silver age joker who is Which the prankster yeah. Goofy, yeah. So you know, tying Batman to a giant typewriter or whatever, yeah. and then and then the comedian. Comedian is the one that's the creepy, murdery Joker. That's the one you get in the Bronze Age that leads up to um, the killing, to the killing yeah, joke? The, kill, the killing joke. So sort yeah. of like murdering psychopath Joker. So that's yeah. your three that they came up with. But it's also like, okay, does that so? That means that everything from the 90s to today kind of has to fit within that rubric of mob boss, um, supervillain, or psychopath. I right. guess that makes sense. That kind of makes sense to me. Sure. And that they constantly meet up. And so they're constantly in the loop with each other. That's what it seems like. Right. It's, so, a, it's a league of jokers. A yeah. Le legion of jokes. I mean, Grant Morrison, when Grant Morrison wrote it, he wrote that the joker is his psyche is constantly reinventing itself and that's why we get these new inventions of the joker but it's all been one joker for grant morrison yeah it's so like madonna jeff johns wants to uh, uh make it a little more literal and so that's what jeff johns does i i see you're not a, you're not a fan i like a lot of what he's done i think i don't like his place in the industry that's the thing that annoys me okay. is that like if Jeff Johns wakes up tomorrow and has a fucking whim, that's going to be new continuity. That's okay. just how it goes. Like if he decides yeah. to shit in a box, oh, look, Batman is a shit in a box now. Okay. Like that's <laughs> what it feels like to me. Uh, okay. I'm glad like, I didn't call Jeff Johns and tell him to watch this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Like everything, everything Jeff Johns is like, okay, uh, it just... It just, he gets to own whatever dumb idea he has. Well, I just, think it's because originally he was the fixer, like right, like he had sure. to bring he had to bring Barry out. Well, had to bring Barry Allen back, Hal Jordan back, even though he, he, did he didn't have to. Well, but. with Hal Jordan, he made he brought back Hal Jordan, and suddenly he had the kings to the the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, I thought what he did on Teen Titans was terrible. I hated, okay. I hated every minute, and I read every fucking issue. <laughs> I, I, I did too. The only thing I don't like about it is the shift with Connor. Um, I didn't like that, but look what he did to Impulse. Also, 
He was like, I don't like this impulse thing. Now he's Kid Flash. And yeah. now everything that was fun about the character is gone. But so he you, never, don't, you don't see that as a character development? Like, it didn't feel to... like a character development. Because uh, how did it happen? He got shot in the leg and suddenly he's serious. Like there was never, it's not a, it's not a growth. It's something terrible happens and now I get to write whatever character I want. One bad day. That's what DC's known for, right? Yeah, absolutely. And but is that part of the character now? Has it does uh, it up <laughs> the time that Bart Allen was shot in the in the knee? Does anyone bring that up? Does that matter it, to anyone? Yeah, no. it's not an excuse. It's a really cheap ploy. It's a cheap that, ploy, and, yeah. and I think the same thing you're saying with you know Connor being uh you know the clone of of Lex Luthor. I think that that is now the continuity of of Connor, right? Yeah. That's they've put it into whatever movies he's been in. They put it's, it into Smallville. Yeah, it's in Smallville. Like they put it into Titans. Justice. It's in yeah, it's in everything. So that's yeah. that's the basis of that character now. And literally, that came from a fan letter that Jeff Johns wrote to Carl Kessel in the nineties. Like you oh. can go back. Like it was published in an issue of of Superboy. Hey, yeah. what if uh, what if his DNA was half Lex Luthor and Carl Kessel's like. Maybe I guess we'll find out one day. <laughs> but it was supposed to be originally the Newsboy Legion, right? Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That it was part of the Newsboy Legion. Yeah, which but that's dumb fine. too. It is dumb too. You're right, but I think I think that the Lex Luthor thing sticks because I think it's more poetic. I think it's kind of Shakespearean. That's yeah. that Connor Kent is like the product of Superman and his greatest enemy. Like that. That is like a big idea that's a high concept idea and i think that it sticks for that reason i think that's also the reason that the um that the uh the the color spectrum the emotional spectrum yeah sticks around in uh in green lantern right because yeah. it's a big a big idea a big symbolic idea but right. he tries to he tried to do the same thing by shooting uh impulse in the leg why yeah. i don't fucking know I think it's the first time Impulse has actual um, stakes, I guess. I mean, even though the, he had stakes in the Flash run and everything. But I think the point was... That, that, that's, that's been his whole arc. In the Flash run, I have... I'm looking at my my bookshelf right now. Do you remember Mercury Rising? Remember when he gets replaced by Inertia? And that's like one of the yeah. greatest, the greatest moments in all of uh, Impulse is that... Look, Inertia I know that can it, do it better that inertia can do everything better and that that forces impulse to grow up. And then there's that moment in, uh, in young justice in our worlds at war when um, like impulse develops that power to create duplicates of himself. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. one of the duplicate, one of the duplicates dies and impulse just goes fucking catatonic, just goes into uh, basically into a coma. Yeah. That's character development because yeah. It, it then is spread out over the course of eight issues or whatever of like, okay, what does this mean to Impulse that a part of him died? What does it mean to him that he used to be a person that that left before he looked and now he has to think about things? What is yeah. What happens to that character now that he becomes a person who understands consequences? And yeah. that... Yeah that goes all the way back to his first appearance with Mark Wade. It like it's, it's one long arc. And then you put him in teen Titans and Jeff Johns is like, shoot him in the leg. Now he's serious. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. 
I think the person that, that Jeff Johns reminds me the most of is Christian Audige of, you know, um, what, what's the name of the, the clothing line that Christian Audige had? The, um, I don't know. With all the sequins and dragons and lions. Oh, why am I forgetting? Ed Hardy. Ed Hardy, Ed Hardy yes. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I think okay, that you... Jeff Johns is the Ed Hardy of comics. Oh, shit. Okay. I feel like you said that before. <laughs> I have said that before. I, 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 I do watch said, this show quite a bit. But now you've explained it. Now you've gone back and explained it, though. Yeah, like, because I, I think, think he's a guy that believes in, in two-dimensional symbolism. And he's like, this is, I have created something beautiful. And everyone's just like, there's not a ton of depth here. I, I always hate when speedsters get shot with something very slow. And like so bullet. like, like <laughs> a bullet, like death stroke. Yeah. Like, yeah, he can be smart, but come on. I, I don't know. Especially I, impulse. And it's As not that he someone... wasn't smart. The character's problem wasn't that he wasn't smart. It was that he was impulsive. Right. <laughs> that right. he didn't understand danger. That was the whole point of it. Right. Yeah. He's an ADD kid, right? That's, that's, He's... Was yeah, raised on video me. games. That's that's. Uh, the whole I, I meant that stroke can use all ninety percent of his brain, and the, well, I mean, and has faster reflexes that, than impulse. That comes all the way from Marv Wolfman, to be fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing about Deathstroke, though. Well, uh, given the fact that, like, I've thought so much about super speed, like in fiction, um, yeah. like how do you take down a speedster? You have to distract them. Like that's how you do it, right? <clears throat> Mirror like Master is kind of cool. Mirror Master, yeah, Sorry. but like I love Mirror Master, sure. <laughs> Problem is, Mirror Master doesn't translate to anything no. other than comics. Like it, do- he doesn't fair. make sense. No, like when you, I guess, you know, uh, but like you have to distract a speedster to be able to catch them off guard because you would say that like the world is frozen to them, right? But, but that's so much information to like take in and maybe they don't see a bullet heading towards them okay if they're focused on something else right i don't know i've never traveled at super speed so i don't know i mean i I have i have it's fun you know but it's not for everyone it it just depends on who's writing the rules right right so like in injustice uh barry allen can think as fast well thinks so fast that superman coat like uh yeah he talks to him about his plans because he's yeah. the only one that can you know think on his level yeah or uh impulses like uh, mental ability is he can read like a ton of books but he can't that, retain that he it has a, he he can retain he can remember it. whatever he reads yeah but not yeah. just the speed reading that he's going to retain it yeah barry oh. allen can't retain it right each speedster has its own like have you guys grasp. been reading josh williams uh flash uh, I stopped at a certain point. I stopped right. I stopped around Flash year one. Uh, right God, at the it end. Was of so that. bad. Yeah. It was so bad, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've generally not been a fan of his Flash, but I'm loving his big finale, this uh, Legion of Zoom. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't. Especially because he's that. he's brought back so many of the speedsters that we lost and missed, like Jesse Quick and Max Mercury and Impulse. Okay. Uh, obviously, okay. Impulse was brought back in Young Justice, yeah. but you know he had him come back to uh, to help the fight against Zoom. Uh, okay. This last issue was really, really bad, but I I really loved uh, the last like three or four leading up to it, where uh, Bart gets to have a reunion with Iris, Bart gets to have a reunion with, with Max, yeah, uh, with Jay Eric, with all of these characters, and I think there's like fourteen speedsters hanging out right now, and yeah. even like yeah. 
it's so funny with all these speed characters that exist in the DCU that now there's literally a team of teenage ones like between Kid Flash, Jay, Iris, uh, Avery, and Bart. That's five teenage speedsters. Who's Avery? Avery is the Flash of China. Purple suit, right? Purple suit. Yeah, it came out of the the new Superman. Yeah, that book. And uh, what I love about what, what I don't know who brought her into the Flash continuity or the, that book, but I love that like this character was created. Clearly, a diverse character lives in China, has a whole history to themselves, and very easily that character could have been completely forgotten. I mean, when's the last time you've seen the Superman of China in any book, right? Or the right. Batman or Wonder Woman of China or the Great Ten or any of those Chinese the superheroes. The Great Ten are awesome, dude. The I think the Great Ten, ten is amazing. <laughs> yeah. You I like love the, the concept of the Great Ten. Um, yeah. And, but then they're like, but I love the idea that someone's like, hey, we're writing this Flash book. It's about speedsters. We have this speedster who lives in China. Let's bring that character in. Let's talk yeah. about it. I think that's, I think that's the ideal uh, for comic book shared continuity for a shared yeah. world. Because... I think uh, she was created in the Flash run, then went over to Super Team of China or whatever, and then came I back. I don't think so. I don't think that's wasn't, true. Wasn't she created when Star Labs was trying to create speedsters and gave a bunch of people super speed? I don't know. I don't know what don't the know. origin is. I only I only read Superman of China, the new Superman. Yeah. Um, but my understanding was that she was part of whatever program that created new superman new wonder woman new batman i'll have to that look that up but yeah yeah um but regardless she was part of that team in that book and she still retains the same costume uh style that they had in that book with that everything has everyone has kind of the yin yang version of yeah. the logo you know yeah uh she was created in the flash run there was a speed force storm there's a speed force storm that gives everybody superpowers. I think she's one of the only people that got to keep it. And so Star right. Lab studied her, but then she left. I think her and Wally had like a connection. Um, and then she left. Okay. So great. Um, I'm I'm on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I like but I love that she was I love that she was part of New Superman and and you know, she's definitely a part of the Flash now. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not a uh williamson fan i didn't like your one i haven't liked a lot of his stuff yeah uh, uh but this particular arc i really like. and i know that this is leading into the end of his the end of his run so i'm okay. excited about that <laughs> I'm excited about, i haven't liked flash since the new 52 essentially since rebirth i think flash has been terrible yeah i'm yeah. trying to think of whether i liked his any of the flash run i've just kind of been pushing through it because i love the flash but yeah. it hasn't uh, it hasn't felt right to me. It doesn't have I mean it doesn't have that Mark Wade magic. Whatever that Mark Wade thing that he brought to the Flash just is just hasn't been there. Yeah, and I don't Do know you, what it is. Maybe yeah. Did you like Jeff Johns's run on the Flash? No, but I don't like Scott Collins. Oh, I love Scott Collins. I think what I especially dislike about Scott Collins was the coloring of okay. the book. Like the oh, coloring yeah. all felt very muted to me. It's flat. And so I never right? really liked very flat. And I never yeah. liked any of it. And I don't know. Um yeah, I think mainly it was Scott Collins and 
Yeah, I don't know. There, there's such a there's such a, an arrogance to Jeff Johns' writing of like, look what I did. I finally made the the rogues relatable, and it's like the rogues were fine. You didn't do shit. Like, relax. I like his rogues. I I liked. I do. I okay. Every time I think that DC has messed up. In my eyes, it's always Jeff Johns who comes in and brings it back. And so I appreciate him for being that fixer. Like Superboy, uh, uh, Legion of Three Worlds, where they brought back Superboy and Bart, you know? Did they? I don't yeah, remember. in that Legion of Super I, Worlds. I didn't, I didn't read that. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Legion of Three Worlds, where they brought in three different versions of the Legion, and then they brought back Connor and Bart. Like... Because they were dead at the time. Okay. And and uh, but, you know, but who who killed them? Who's the I don't one that know killed who, them? I don't know who Jeff killed Johns. them. Jeff did. Did he do Villains United? Jeff Johns. Because that's uh, when know. the rogues, the rogues actually were pretty good in that. Yeah. It's just they didn't end it well. They kind of just abruptly ended the story, and I was like, oh, okay, well, fine. I guess I'm done. No, you're right. I don't think he specifically killed Bart. Um, but he he wrote Infinite Crisis that killed Connor, right? I heard Connor had to die because of editorial. They were going to kill Dick Grayson, and then they yes. instead killed... I don't... Yeah, I don't think... Um... Do you have a Villains United trade there? This is Rogue's Revenge <sighs> by Jeff Johns. Um, but I think Bart is dead... I think Bart dies at the end of the Flash run where Bart becomes Flash. Yeah. And whoever's writing that at the time. Right, right. leading up to Rebirth. Yeah, but it, I don't think it's Jeff Johns. But it's certainly a mandate based on Jeff Johns is bringing back Barry Allen, so we got to get rid of Bart as Flash. Yeah, Bart that's has true. to stop being Flash, and you can't have three adult Flashes running around, so... We're going to have to get rid of uh, Bart as Flash. We might as well kill him. It makes me think of that meme where the guy's like trying to figure out which button to press. So that's Jeff Johns being like, bring back Barry, but you got to kill Bart. You know what I mean? So he's like, ah. Oh, I don't think was any fuck about Bart Allen as a character. Really? He, yeah, he only wants, I, I feel like Jeff Johns wants the DC universe to look like the Silver Age DC universe. You, you can't have... That's why you can't have Wally be the Flash. You can't have Connor Hawk be Green Arrow. You can't yeah. have any, Kyle Rayner. Can't have Kyle Rayner. You have to have the characters have to be the Silver Age version of who they are. I I agree with that. Jeff Johns is very Silver Age. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, that's my whole point. It's yeah. weird. I'm actually drawing the lines of uh, like why it why DC feels very conservative and not willing to move past things you know with unless they kill for a while they were moving past things like yeah the, blue beetle the 90s like when they brought like the whole idea of the justice society yeah in the 90s it's like there's legacy dc used to be about legacy now yeah, it's about yeah. reboots and le why you can't have a legacy with reboots no you know yeah, I mean, I think we were talking about this last time. In the last few years, you know, DC has kind of um, owned the fact that they reboot all the time, right? Like, that's part of 
the charm that they think it is like oh look we've had all these crises that's what dc is about dc is about crises and there's all these different eras and the and the universe always gets restarted right like that's that's something that they kind of bring into why you should love dc or like oh it's it's the multiverse everyone loves the dc multiverse yeah that's them that's like this whole fandom thing they've been talking about mm -hmm. how like it seems like it's like oh marvel has a universe that is beautiful but we have a multiverse we have a and it's like oh, no it's because yeah. you fuck up your universes so you have to redo the universe again like yeah. that's what dc is diminishing returns like you said gil completely diminishing returns completely. Oh. um anyway <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, i don't know but how are Paul? we doing <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I uh, the one good thing that I got was the um, Audible book, uh, Sandman. And it's got really high production values, excellent voice acting, and I heavily recommend it. Also, you don't have to worry about, you know, someone destroying a Neil Gaiman, like, treasure, I guess. Because I, I, I haven't read real Sandman. So, mm. uh, a big recommend. Just Great. real quick plug, you know. <laughs> Because they talked about that last on Fandom, right? Last yeah, uh, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, I, I just like same thing with this Fandom thing. It's like this is a publicity stunt to me. I feel it's a publicity stunt to make people believe in DC again. Are they looking for new investors to save them? Because that's what it seems like. Uh, same goes with. I don't know where I brought it up to you guys. But okay, the beginning of the Marvel cinematic movies, you have this flip book of Marvel character. Well, it used to be like flip book of comics, right? But now it's like, oh, these are scenes from our movie that yeah. take place, right? These right. are all the characters. And it's like, oh shit, you have had a lot of characters in your movies. But with yeah. the DC beginning, it's here are the comic book images of all these characters uh, that have potential. And we're gonna bring you like, right? But it's like because you don't you don't know any of them. Nobody knows them. Yeah, we don't know like, who any of them are. Yeah, nobody yeah. sees Hawkman and goes, "I remember Hawkman from blah blah blah," or Doctor Fate. Know exactly who Hawkman is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by uh, the way, that's that's one of the things that Jeff John Jeff Johns did really right was his reboot of Hawkman. I would say Hawkman is is top of my list. Is for when did he do the reboot of Hawkman in the new Fifty Two? No, or... the original reboot of Hawkman, and oh, when they when did JSA. That? Oh yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's the one that brought back Hawkman and brought in the idea of reincarnations and and all that stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, tied it to the Egyptian mythology. Yeah, um, I mean, Hawkman when done right is beautiful. I think, but when done really badly, like Legends I of Tomorrow, done right. I think he's being done right right now. I'm enjoying the Hawkman book. Yeah. I haven't read the recent one, so it's good. Um, uh, I'm just saying that like DC is based off of like potential ideas that they can sell to people, and Marvel is like, oh, we've already done it. Like we've, you know, that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I mean, like, can you imagine if they had allowed George Miller to make his Justice League movie? I don't know what that world would look like. <laughs> yeah, right. Would you? Would it be good? It's George Miller. But like, but the casting for it was weird to me. So? You know. I mean, it's it was weird in theory, but you don't know. It, it, I don't know. 
he didn't see how it went. And he's yeah. George Miller, the guy cast Furiosa and and yeah. Max and all that. So like, and and Happy Feet. And Happy Feet. Happy Feet is solid. Let's uh, yeah. be fair. Yeah, happy, I'm just saying. happy Feet holds up. Yeah, it's just funny that it's the same director. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, who else? Okay, it was it was going to be Adam Brody as the Flash, right? I think Adam, uh, Army Hammer was going to be Batman. Batman. Yeah, and DJ Contreras, who plays the Hispanic Shazam in the Shazam movies, was going to be Superman. Great. That's cool. And yeah, you know, uh, it was just a weird lineup. Here, Here's my thing. Justice League, just like Avengers, if they had released Avengers as the first movie with all these things that you have to buy into, you have to buy into a man creates a suit of armor. There is a World War II super soldier that's been frozen in ice. There's a Norse god. There's some couple super spies. And there's the Hulk. Uh, I don't think Avengers would have been good as the first movie uh, because it would have fallen apart. And so with Justice League, it's even more all over the place. You have a Themyscira and goddess. You have a, a Batman, which everybody knows. You have Superman, Kryptonian super god. You have an Atlantis fish person. You have a guy with a super-powered ring. You have a Martian who can shapeshift and is psychic and whatever. You have a super speedster. Like, why is... You gotta introduce all of them and make people buy into it, like, right off the bat with Justice League? You can't do that off a Justice League movie. I don't know. I think that there's a world where you could. Uh, you know, I I think it, it, it depends on good, crazy comic book storytelling. I think... I think Justice League is about big widescreen ideas. It's about um, kind of crazy um, uh, alien invasions and and attacks by races of genies and you know all of that Grant Morrison kind of really big picture stuff. So <clears throat> if the plot is the hero of the movie, if like the if the movie is more plot heavy than character heavy and you give all of these characters really likable moments, can the movie still work? Even if, even if every character doesn't have a three part arc. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, independence day, right? Like that's a movie <laughs> with, that's a movie with eight different characters, eight different main characters. And yeah. they all get, the moments and they're all pretty thin moments but like what it's about is about <sighs> humanity comes together in the face of a larger threat and i think that's the same idea whereas i think avengers is it, it is about building a world and buying into the reality of the world right it's about uh avengers really does have to be about those characters because that's what stanley created and i yeah. think a lot of avengers is you know, is a lot of Avengers is about the Avengers. You know what I mean? A lot of Avengers is about the fact that they got this movie together, which is an insane feat in and of itself, right? Right. The whole third act of the movie is we did it and now we're gonna have a 20 minute action scene just to like celebrate that we did it, right? There's no right. there's no character building happening during the last 20 minutes of that movie. Yeah, I think the uh, characters 
at, at their two-dimensional level as the ensemble in the first Avengers, they're still likable. Whereas there's enough screen time and we already, we already are buying from that investment from their standalone films. And right. then you get like the Captain America sequels where, oh, they're back. And now they have like 2.5 dimensions to them. You know, where, I mean, Tony in Civil War gets like the whole Winter Soldier killing his parents. He Like he opens the movie, right? With the, um, what's it called? The hologram thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you see that like he's really annoyed, and it might not all be his fault because he's messing with his own brain to get you know rid of the PTSD. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's part of the journey and why that works so well is yeah. that they didn't make a likable two dimensional Superman. They made a Batman origin story, which is so ham fisted that you're like, what are we doing? In Batman in wasn't even an origin story. It was like. Okay. Oh no, no, start murdering gonna... the yeah, m- murdering the Waynes. I mean, that's what I. Oh, mean. okay, yeah, 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 we're, yeah. We're just gonna. It's just to remind you that his mom's name is Martha. That's yeah. the whole point of that scene. Just to remind you, his mom's name was Martha. Yeah. Keep that in the back of your head for uh, the third act. Uh, this is yeah. gonna, it's going to come back later, and yeah, I think you're exactly right. It's a completely unlikable Superman, but it's also the. It goes back to everything that is at the basis of superman right because because they had a very like nihilistic um ayn rand version of mon pa kent then you get that version of superman because because when he says what was i supposed to do let them die pa kent goes maybe that's a different superman that's a different guy and you know the biggest remember last last time we were talking about um uh whether superman is inherently a white character or not yes i do not think superman has an inherent whiteness to him as a character i just don't okay. think that that's part of the character but i do think that it's important that his parents are american and that his parents are not wealthy i think that that there's a there's a class thing in it. so i think that if right. um, if Superman's parents are black or if they are Latinx or if they're whatever, I think you can still grow up with a super with a Superman that has the same morals. I think that some people that that it's shorthand the fact that they're from the Midwest and they're like farmers. It's shorthand to be like, oh, this guy has very like traditional values. But I think those same values of hard work and respect and whatever those are present in every culture in America, right? So yeah. You know, you can have, there's no reason you can't have a Filipino American Superman or a whatever because it's about who he is on the inside, right? Well, two things. But it's like, oh, go ahead. Oh, I mean, I'll let Paul go. Then I'll, I have oh, two sorry. things. Sorry. I, I just feel like it's threading the needle from the, from a person from the Midwest uh, and seeing media bias and he works at a newspaper. Yeah. Um, and just seeing like the different, like microcosms of he politics. Works, he works at a newspaper because his in, his internal theme is about truth and justice. It's he works at a newspaper because uh, because a, a journalist has to be uh, uh, has to be uh, unveiling the truth. Right, um, but like the period it's in the uh, like I, I can't imagine a Kansas where people aren't uh you know Racist. just 
racist. Yeah. Okay, yeah, where, yeah. Where they aren't booing, uh, you know, uh, black football players. Sure. Yeah. Like, like, and that's today. Cause I was going to be like, well, what if it wasn't, you know, 1950s Superman, let's modernize them. So his story makes more sense, but rural culture is, uh, farmers that are white, you know, offering share or not sharecroppers, but you know, migrant people to work. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I'll, I'll so that's go. what I'm saying is like I don't think Superman has to grow up on a farm, but I do think his parents have to be of like lower middle class standing. I, I think I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Those are like ha like, but there there's two types of things. There's if you change the race of Superman, I do think it affects his upbringing. Not in an oh to make him pessimistic. You could still keep that optimism, but I think that like. I mean, maybe you can write a compelling story where he feels like an outsider because he's treated like an outsider as a person of color. Uh, I, I don't but think, I think Superman feels like an outsider. I don't think Superman as... I think it's possible to make black Superman and have the world be like, I don't trust you. I think that that's right. perfectly compelling. I think that Clark Kent doesn't feel like an alien. I think Clark Kent is surprised he's an alien because of how American he feels. I then think he has he is... to be the same race as the people around him. No, I don't think so. I, I You think I he can necessarily... grow up being black in an all-white town and not feel like an outsider? I think that that can make a shaded character who has a lot of complexity to them. But I think it's possible for a character who is a black person in a white environment and still be the most popular kid in school. I think that's still a possibility. I think, I think Superman is the nicest guy to everyone who, who he knows and is yeah. the most well-liked person around. So I but think what that happens, that, what happens what when happens? society treats him as black? That's because a good it's question. going to, think, and when, when his a, upbringing, I think that's a great question. And I want to see that story. Yeah. My point. I think that like, the only examples that are popping up in my head. I don't think Superman how is a work. character. Right. I don't think he's a character who doesn't think that injustice exists. So I think it's perfectly uh, logical that you could have uh, a Superman who's black, uh, who gets treated a certain way, but still believes in the inherent goodness of people. I well, think I that's, agree. That's my I point. Don't, I don't think that like being a person of color means you have to be jaded. Like, I don't believe that. But I do think that, like, for things to for Superman to have a color swap essentially and not change his character would make him an Uncle Tom. I think. Oh, interesting. I think because I think because yeah. that type of Superman would have to say, "There's no inequality other than the inequality we make." And it's I like, don't think that's necessarily I, I, true. I think it, I think that depends how how he's written. Yeah. Um, but I think that a person who has an inherent goodness to them, even though they are kind of, kind of, kind of beaten down by society. Right. You know, I think that that's an, in, I think that's part of what Superman is. I think that Superman in his creation was, remember, was very much a hero of the working class, a hero of the forgotten man. It's during the depression, right? Yeah. Um, and part of it is I'm going to fight against corporate people who are taking advantage of you. I'm going to fight against criminals who steal your money, ag right. against crooked, uh, crooked landlords, against um, 
people who want to hurt you. And I think that that is, I think that that transposes because you're talking about a person who is like, believes in goodness, who is there for the common man and believes that the, that something corrupt has happened to the world around them. And I think I don't, this isn't for me to say I'm a white Jewish guy. I, it's not my place to say whether a character is Uncle Tom-ish or not. Yeah. Um, I could see a character with an inherent optimism that doesn't fall into, oh, everything is okay. Because I don't think, I don't think Superman believes everything's okay. No. I think you're describing Luke Cage right now, though. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I think, I'll I think he's very, very much that character. Luke Cage is a man Sweet of the people. Christmas. He's optimistic, but he knows that there's uh, there's problems, and he's, he's hokey. Like Luke Cage will fight against black people and white people if they're bad, and then you know, and he, it's not like like race drives Luke Cage, but it's his community, right? And so, uh, I think there's so there's two things. There's the upbringing of Superman that changes. I think if he's changed his race, and the second thing is the world's acceptance of Superman. If he, you change his race, um, well, I think that changes. Yeah, which you is know. what you see in Icon. Going back to milestone stuff, yeah. is yeah. that's the whole, that's the entire core of Icon. Is that this is a guy who's been around since slavery, literally, and has seen all of the changes. Is somehow come out of it as a conservative, and, <laughs> and when he maybe, goes out, maybe a finally, Lincoln era Republican. <laughs> it's you know, so, like, it's, so, it's so strange because it's clearly Dwayne McDuffie just being like let's try something you know yeah. um and i think i think that's the part of the character that i think falls away the easiest because mm. i don't think it makes a ton of sense anyway but um yeah but i think that like i think that the image that Dwayne mcduffie really wanted to write when he created icon was hey superman shows up on the scene but the cops don't trust him so they start right. shooting him and that's what they do you know i think right. that's amazing right yeah there are five uh, lex luthers right the first one was the scientist. Yeah. And then it was the uh, corporate mogul during yeah. the industrial. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie, the Donner films, he's a like rents uh, slumlord because he wants to build condos on uh, maybe. So maybe I mean, he's very like super villainy. Yeah. But it all, it seemed like every bad guy, even in cartoons, there was a Cap, Camp Candy, the John Candy cartoon. That guy only wanted to build condos. That was like his. That's the whole thing. Wants to build condos. Yeah, camp is in the way. <laughs> yeah, and then um, <laughs> the fourth Lex Luthor is uh, the politician Lex Luthor, right? I mean, the same as the mogul Lex Luthor. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're just we're just tracking a, a more competent Donald Trump, about, except for the science. Yeah, but it's about institutional uh, corruption, right? Yeah, so right. Whether he's President Luthor or businessman Lex Luthor, it's still just about institutional corruption. I would yeah. say there's probably three Lex Luthers. I, I was gonna I was gonna say Smallville Lex Luthor is the friend where you see him like change. So. But these are different aspects of the same Lex Luthor that can be overlapped and whatever, right? Yeah. But distinctly, yeah. there's scientist, there's uh supervillain. Oh, master criminal. Yeah, yeah I would say criminal. that there's mad scientist Lex Luthor, there's yeah. a corporate mogul Lex Luthor, and there's the greatest criminal mind of our time, Lex Luthor, who's like, you know, the guy who steals a bunch of pies from the bank or whatever. Right. Or creates a big robot. Is that the creates same? Creates a giant. Yeah. I mean, that's somewhere between a mad scientist and criminal Luthor, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. They I'll drive five covers and we can, yeah. 
get, pitch, uh, let's get Paul, Jason Sandbach on this. ASAP. Yeah, we're pitch, we're pitching five five Luthers. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, um, and one bizarro Luther who's a philanthropist. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Full head uh, of hair. <laughs> luscious, just luscious locks. Yes. Bizarro Luther has a Fabio hair. Um, you guys remember when Fabio got hit in the face by a seagull? <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you just call us seagulls sea eagles? Yeah, you pronounce it like Steven Seagull. Yeah. No, I, I didn't say said, Seagull. I, I think you said no. sea, like Sea Eagle, like an eagle from the sea. Oh, no, not Sea Eagle. No. <laughs> the Seattle Sea Eagles. That's the yeah, sports yeah, yeah. ball team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it brings up so many things. That, that, it's like a oof. Superman being a person of color is so. It's the hard one for me because the whole thing with the Midwest is that it's very quiet and that's what yeah. keeps you grounded is you don't have a very busy mind or a large upbringing. Yeah. So you're basically having a lot of extended mindfulness. I guess the Superman yeah. that I see when I see it at its best is a guy who really believes in normal people who sees himself as a normal person who yeah. doesn't see himself as above other people. Um, and so I think that if you transpose Clark Kent to the city, I think he's the same character because he sees injustice happening around him and is like, oh, these people need protection. I have the power to protect these people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to use that. I'm going to become a reporter. I'm going to use uh, my power to to help common people um, because I believe in them. I, that's what Truth I see as justice, the core essence way. of the character. And I don't yeah. think that... I don't think that's necessarily comes from being Midwestern. I don't think it necessarily comes from being white. I think there's an argument to be made that um, that there's an inherent whiteness to, uh, like Dimitri was saying, being trusted by the world, but just by virtue of the fact that he looks like the most American American person who ever America. Right. I think that like there's something to that that there's like a um, a subversiveness to him because he is an immigrant, right? Like okay, this is a character who came here illegally as an immigrant, but you, but you, American society are going to accept him because he looks like Clark Gable. I think that that is, I think, I think that's a good argument. But I definitely still think that he's Superman if he's, you know, Asian like Dean Cain is, or has you uh, know, I mean, Latinx. Well, that's also. <laughs> Uh, are we gonna say Dean Kane's not Asian? Because he is. This is, a, this is a bigger. This is a bigger conversation. Uh, All right. Let Let me just tell you what it's like. If 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 Superman was Asian in the Midwest, yeah, he would constantly go, "Hi, my name is Clark." And their next question is, "What? Where are you from? Yeah. What's your you real know, name? what are or what's what are name? you? Yeah. 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 What's your real name? And that that pause your name's not daily what's your real yeah name? exactly yeah 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 but where are your parents from right okay so <laughs> no, I, mean, Dean, I mean originally so many roadblocks here, just here, trying to traverse as a brown person here, here's my here's my um here's my quick thought about dean kane being asian first thing what like what is he half asian is he quarter asian whatever i don't know he's mixed he's mixed okay that's first of all second thing is if a person meets him in real life, what do they think he is? Regardless of what he really is, regardless of his blood, we're not testing his blood, we're not looking at his parents. That matters. 
that matters. So he is white passing. So okay. he will never be given, oh, Dean Kane, Dean, you don't look like a Dean. What what are you really what's your really name? What like what what was your birth name? Where are your parents? Why is your hair so Dean, greasy? Nobody asked Dean Kane that. You know what I mean? So then I think that you lose a lot of what that uh the treatment of society that society puts towards uh what if Superman were like not attractive what if he had like an asymmetrical right. face by a lot right. what, you what know if Superman what if he had, had a, a mole what or, if he had a or birthmark about... yeah but I th- or a lazy I think... eye or a receding like, hairline but i think yeah. my argument about who superman is at his core is that i think that he can be any of those things and still retain who he is despite what society does around him right. i i agree completely get your point i think that that if you talk about the basis of who superman is a uh, selfless honorable uh truth justice uh i think that it's that that's who the character is i think yeah. that what that all of the things you're saying about like the world you know his his world changes people treat him differently people are racist to him if he looks different all that stuff that is completely valid i think that changes the story he appears in, I don't think that changes who he is. I, I think it's the whole uh, um, responsibility of not being tone deaf in the modern age because yeah. we we can now criticize a lot of like minority characters that didn't have every aspect of them like uh, sculpted into a believable story. Hi, I'm Black Superman and I'll be uh, opening up a bank account because I want to get a loan for a house. Don't worry. I know about your redlining laws. That's why I have my friend. Like, you know, you 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 gotta kind of like make a <laughs> a legit real. My I don't know, and that's yep. just my experience because I do that a lot when I'm sitting there and I'm watching. Like, there's no way like a five foot four person could be a runway model. You know, like just all different types sure. of prejudices, yeah. and that's right. the only trepidation. Like, why I'm so apprehensive to like be on board because. I like those ideals, but the problem is we have a very like, I don't know, like stereotypical, very media fed basis. So people will just be like, oh, he's an Asian Superman must be Buddhism. That makes them all, you know, hippy dippy <laughs> or a Hare Krishna or you know, I, I use the worst straw men. So okay, no, but, I have a, you know. but theoretically it could be right. Like you could have uh, Superman raised by Asian parents who do imbue him with the morality of buddhism and say like every life matters in a very particular way you know not trying to do an all lives matter i'm trying to trying to say right, like right. you know the philosophy of buddhism sure that you know that that um on a on a metaphysical level that we have to protect life and so that could be a basis for where superman comes from there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that as a basis for Superman because the inherent part of Superman is that he's going to fight for the person who has less power than him. Yeah, I just don't want a bad skin swap, like the way they draw a storm sometimes, where it's like, oh, that's oh. just a, a white storm with that's, a very that's just brown Superman. Yeah. No, yeah. I think yeah. yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that would have to be any kind of consideration. Look, I think that in the end, you're not gonna Warner Brothers isn't gonna do that right warner brothers isn't going to make 
uh, Latinx Superman be the official Superman. They might right. do it for a, a particular story or whatever. Like that's going to be something that they do as a one-time stunt for good or ill. You know, I think. Right. Um, Has that happened but- yet? Latin X Men. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, dude, I like that. Such a bad joke, but I feel like uh, someone would run with it. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, Batman has to be white. Otherwise, I, yeah, we, this is the conversation we've had, and I, I agree yeah. with you because of that. Because I do think that it's baked into his origin story the privilege of not knowing that crime exists before his parents get killed. Unless Gotham right. isn't in America. Unless Gotham is somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Uh, Venezuela or something. But I think that, like, you could race swap a lot of other heroes. But I think you could gender swap Batman and he'd be the same character. They'd be the same character. I think you could make Batman gay and they'd be the same character. I think you could make Batman a million other things. I do think that Batman is white. I mean, the situations might be different. Uh, This Mm -hmm. is, I've been racking my brain to uh, remember a thought that I had. And I lost it, and now I got it. James Bond, to me, has to be white. And okay. although I, I'm, although right. I would, although I would love Idris Elba, I love Idris Elba, and I will eat the fuck out of that movie because I know they will write it if they had an Idris Elba James Bond movie. Uh, they will write it so that it works. But in real life, I don't know whether you could be a black spy like that and infiltrate every single secret society that's primarily white and have people know like people will take notice of you and they will notice when you're there again and uh i wrote i wrote a sketch at ucb that i didn't produce but like i i wrote it um and it had to do with uh the joke was that like this secret agent is looks just like me so when i step out of the car and i throw my my keys to the valet somebody else throws their keys at me and like <laughs> you know and i and right. i'm dressed i'm dressed in a suit but they're they expect me to be a server you know what i mean in this james bond situation so like i would have to be a spy pretending to be the help i and, will say i think i don't know if i've made this argument to you before yeah. um about what i think james bond is i think james bond could be any color or race or you know could be homosexual or whatever yeah but i do think james bond is a man i think there's i I think there's an an inherent maleness to the way that james bond treats his love interests Uh and i think that there is an a sort of abusiveness to it uh and a sort of meanness that only works if that character is male and I think that it's fine if the character is bi or if the character, you know, if the character is, is sleeping with a man or whatever. But I do think that it, it's a very male thing. I completely take your point about the character having a whiteness to it. Um, yeah. But I think we've seen stories where we have, um, you know, I think, look, this is maybe a silly example, but the the Will Smith animated movie from last year. Oh, Matt. Where he's uh, a super spy who turns into a pigeon. Yeah. yeah, spies in disguise, right? Yeah. He's playing James Bond, an American black James Bond. Yeah, and look, they don't bring up race in it. They don't even they don't address it, right. and so it so it just goes, you know. Right. But but maybe that's what it is. Maybe it just feels too animated, too two dimensional 
uh, too much like, hey, we're not addressing an elephant in the room if you have you I know, think a so. black or, or an Indian or, a, or an that's, Asian. That's or a, I think so. Like, I, I think you're not addressing the elephant in the room if you have Bond. If you have a black Bond character rubbing elbows with these, like, elite, like, people and they don't call him boy. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't buy this elite secret society cult white people thing of like them accepting him into their fold without paying very close attention to who he is checking his backstory you know what i mean i i feel bad because i'm i feel like we're ignoring you i I was just gonna say though the difference between like superman and america versus this global power secret society where powerful men are wearing fezes or you know they're giant korean ex-sumo wrestlers yeah money penny is black in the new uh daniel craig series m yeah. is a woman and um bl- until now, now now they gave it back to ray fines yeah sure. uh, hey, I, I don't yeah i don't get it hey, i'll call ray fines mom whatever <laughs> uh, it's not yeah uh, and then it's not okay never mind all um, right keep going Okay, and then uh, yeah. and and Blighter was he always a character? Lighter, Felix, oh, Felix Lighter. Okay, yeah, he lighter. was always a character. He was what? What was always white? He was always white, but he was always played by a different actor. And then this is the first black uh, 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 actor to play Lighter, Felix Lighter. But he's always been played by different actors. Like there's like right. five actors over the course of like whatever you know. Yeah, and like I mean, I know that Americans always think of British people as white in general, uh, as in, but yeah. but like I watch a lot of like global videos where they're in Hong Kong, and you can clearly hear. That's what I think. You know, it's a bit. They say Zed, like you know, like so. Yeah. For me, it's not a big buy. Or like, there's a lot of um, uh, curry places in. There's a lot of there's a large Indian yeah. population in, yeah. in uh, yeah. England. So like for me, I'm just like big Arab it, population too. Yeah, yeah. If it fits mm. with like what I know, maybe it'll educate you know the general population. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that my argument to you, Dimitri, is that James Bond feels like a really international story. Yeah. Um, and so I think that as much as you have to buy into this guy can walk into any room, you yeah. also have to buy into it that he can walk into any room wearing a tux, right? Like yeah. uh, he's also like, that's, that's also the the sort of obvious image of, of James Bond to believe that he's running across rooftops while wearing a $3,000 suit. Right. But those are two different types of, um, um, I think it's two different suspending types of disbelief. Yeah. Right. Like okay, we have yeah. to buy that he can fight in a tux. Like he can't not fight in a tux, but like. Uh, but isn't it the same thing as buying into that he can walk into a room and 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 be Indian and and still walk up to the craps table and and seduce a woman next to him and whatever? Ooh, that's that's also a that's a hmm. That's a whole uh, representation and when we America. What's the iconic James Bond scene to you? Uh, to me, it's it's James Bond in a casino. James Bond yeah. walking yeah. into the room, being slick as fuck. Uh, there's some secret secret agent that he's up against, but they're out in public in the middle of everyone, and they're having like a game of wits. And in the middle of doing that, he's seducing the lady next to him, and and whatever. Maybe she's a secret agent too. Like that's yeah. sort of like the iconic. James Bond 
scene, right? Right. right. Roger Moore, 55 years happen. old, hitting on a 17-year-old model that right. is barely, barely speaking her lines because she's I, Eastern European. I, I agree. You would write the story according to this. And I'm thinking in, in terms of like real life. So you can write a story that makes sense. All I know is that Idris Elba walking into Hong Kong, uh, 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 a high-end Hong Kong, I don't know whether they're gonna they're gonna accept them. I, me, uh, and I'm no, I'm no Idris Elba, but you get what I mean. If I'm playing this like super spy, or super spy looks like me, uh, they're not uh, exactly rolling out the red carpet in Hong Kong for for. Well, us. they have to. It's China. Uh, <laughs> it's China adjacent. Uh, but yeah. there's like a lot of warlords and Somali pirates that have like five star Michelin chefs, you know, coming in. Like the fact that money power and wealth are all kind of the qualifiers because i was going to push back on gill on james bond has to be a man and then i thought about all those generals because that was the whole thing with the second daniel craig movie is the guy gets off by abusing his women and i'm like fuck there are no female warlords that aren't politicians right 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 so <clears throat> i mean that's true yeah thank you for thank you for coming around to my thinking on james bond has an inherent maleness to to him. I, I just I have to chew on it a little bit to make me realize. Yeah. Look, oh yeah, have we have a patriarchy. You know, yeah. I don't have to be right. But we have a, we not only have a patriarchy, we have a we have a white patriarchy. Is what I'm trying to say. A, a white patriarchy. Yeah. For I sure. mean, there's you know, a Saudi uh, patriarchy, uh, sure. or sorry, Middle Eastern. Yeah. But if you have a Middle Eastern bond, you come. They bring him to America to do some some spy stuff. And like, is he gonna have to dress up like a sheik? Because Americans the last time won't. Bond was in America. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just saying. Uh, when they were in Florida in Thunderball, okay. and they had those motorboats. So 1988. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just. I'm just giving you when it happened. I'm not like. No, let's just see. Yeah. What's his in and out cue? I don't know what this is. What should I order? <laughs> I'll have one of your Yorkshire pubs. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> can I oh, have some man. points? No, continental uh, breakfast. You can have toast. But look, in, in America, we clearly have a white hegemony that we have exported out to the entire world. And so there is, um, you know, being white has status to it, unfortunately. Um, you know, but we also live in a world with uh, a male hegemony and, by the way, a Christian hegemony, you know. Can you imagine a Jewish James Bond? Even even being white and looking exactly the way Daniel Craig does. Can you imagine that character being Jewish? A I young think, George Soros. Start. I think there there's something that if you could have a Jewish James Bond, is he practicing? Is it like in evident like for example, if a warlord if, gives him bacon, will he have to eat it to pretend he's not Jewish? Like I don't know. If a character in fiction is Jewish but doesn't practice it, then that's not Jewish representation. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but but if he's a spy, if he's if he's going in, can he pretend not to be Jewish? I don't think James Bond has any religion to him. I think that James Bond is very specifically uh, doesn't believe in that sort of thing. Is very specifically a skeptic. Yeah. I think that's I think that's inherent to do to who James Bond is. Mm. Um, so I. I don't think I could see James Bond even going to like a Catholic mass. I don't think it would make right. sense. Can he be evangelical? That... 
Yeah, I don't think that even makes sense in a James Bond movie, seeing James Bond be Catholic or being Protestant or whatever. So I think it would be hard. But which is why, by the way, I think it I subscribe to the theory that every James Bond who's a different actor is a different character. They all just use the same code name. I like that because I feel like um, I feel like the there's I feel like every when you know more about James Bond as a character, I think that that blunts the knife of who that character is. I think it's, it's complete um, uh, uh, power fantasy for a reason. And I think that so much of it is about like, I can get on a plane right now and have a crazy adventure in Brazil that, and takes me to Monaco and takes me to, uh, to Beijing and then takes me to, you know, uh, to Switzerland and that's all one adventure. And I don't need to worry about my family back home because the character doesn't have a backstory. And I think every time you, I think every time you give that character a backstory, I think it weakens it personally. So I don't know. So I think having like a Jewishness to it where, okay, he grew up in the Jewish family. Maybe he doesn't practice now. I still don't want to see that. I don't want right. to see a character who's sitting there with a rosary. I don't want to see the character have any kind of like relationship with their family or a brother or a, yeah. a grandmother or anything. No, as almost, a villain. It's almost as if, sorry, real quick. It's almost as oh, if yeah. Dean Cain being part Asian doesn't matter unless it affects the world around him. Yeah, you know. it's a really good anyway. point. Paul. Yeah. Ah, just the tone of that show though. Just Lewis, Lewis and Clark was just such a, Sorry, you derailed me by thinking of Dean Cain. Yeah. Uh, Wait, what was wrong with the tone of that show? I haven't seen it in a long time. I thought it was fun. I, I thought mean, it, was, it was more of a romance than, than other yeah. things. Yeah, it was just a romantic comedy. And then he, the, the whole thing about people being distracted by his uh, his package, old women, young girls, they just looked was, down and- Was it really? really like was a that costume. a thing? Yeah, that was oh, a wow. couple lines. They'd like look down and go, and then look back up to his face and go, I really like your costume. And I'm just like, well, I'm. Oh. It's the '90s. I'm a kid. That costume looked pretty good, honestly. I, I have a question: yeah. If the general audience had known that Dean Kane was Asian, and then they played him as, they're not making those jokes. Let me just tell you that. They're making the opposite jokes. Okay. Sure. That's just no the way idea. they're treated. That's just if the way people are like. Part of the character, yeah. I mean, we know there's a desexualizing of Asian men, and that's part of. Uh, trope in Hollywood that's you know horrible it's you yeah know, it's not yeah so uh, I'm no, just I, saying you don't get this if he doesn't get the same treatment then it doesn't count you know what I mean so it's like the same thing I don't think Superman Superman being objectified by women is an inherent part of his character oh no 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 I'm saying the opposite I'm saying like like if Dean Kane was treated as Asian Superman that he wasn't like those comments aren't they don't match up, is what I'm. Yeah, but I'm t- I'm talking about in I'm t- talking about in terms of white Superman. Oh, I yeah. don't think white Superman being objectified by women is. I an agree. Part of the character. I don't I think. Oh, no, not at all. I don't think. Yeah. I don't. That's think weird. Of, it's weird, right? No, it's, but it's, but he's earnest. Earnest. So if he capitalizes right. and becomes a giant James Bond whore, then well, for Queen and Country, of course. Then he's not. <laughs> then he's. <laughs> yeah. For Queen and Country. For Queen and uh, Country. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the big me a lot to think about. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, I think what we have problems with is it's possible, but the you reality have to suspend is a lot of belief to do it. Yeah, it's how much work and what's the big ask you're asking of the audience to yeah. you know 
suspend disbelief. Right. Sure. Um, yeah. I think it's funny that we 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 started off talking about fandom and like it just gets it. This is where we, we end up. To be fair, we didn't have a lot to say about fandom. We didn't have a lot to say. It's true. There, there it's just no no questions were answered <laughs> except how right. we feel about fandom. Right. That's the sad well, part. That's the thing about the fandom is like, what did it, especially this part two, it was more of a celebration and a sharing of, or like a exhibition of potential than it is like, here's actual news. Yeah. You know? And then our level of production mm -hmm. Zoom conferences or worse, like celebrities, like are yeah. they A-listers? Maybe, but their thumbs should not be on their iPhone lens. And I'm and surprised like some of them have, have like, they yeah, don't have- Earbuds. wired like, airbuds why do you have, AirPods. Why, like you're don't you have money to buy airpods like i don't but i'm also not at that level maybe the sag uh, after fees are just like through the roof There's like, like a new COVID if you tax. work for entertainment weekly like entertainment weekly needs to give you proper airbuds like airpods you know what i mean yeah i i don't know i'm big on sound despite what you're hearing right now. Guys, so. I got I to gotta watch this Man of Tomorrow. That's uh, what I'm excited I got to do that too. So uh, uh, all that considered, uh, I know that there, I just realized there's a button to see who's lurking. I, I yeah. never knew. I never knew that I could see because I can see the viewers, but I can see who's lurking right now. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple lurkers out there. Guys, if you guys are watching this and you like this enough, please give us a follow. We just got a recent follow from Matt Heineken from Norway. That's his username. So thank you, Matt Heineken, for watching. Oh, sweet. But I know there are other people who are watching that I know have not clicked follow on us. If you guys have been watching for this long, please click follow. Show us some support. Uh, we appreciate you guys watching this. Um, but uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Gil, for talking uh, with me, talking with the show about how uh what you guys experienced now uh gil uh what do you got uh coming up where can we find you social media all that stuff yes i have such a big announcement to make uh yeah. so of course you can find me on all the things at gj baron you see that right there in the corner that you're looking at um so our next so we just did our 50th your late night show the show we do do uh on twitch on the pack theaters twitch um yes. where every month a different comedian hosts it so we just had our 50th one uh, and we just confirmed the host for number 51 and it is the voice of Bugs Bunny, the official voice of no Bugs Bunny, Eric Bauza, who, by the Whoa. way, is the first Filipino, the first uh, person of color to play Bugs Bunny. Um, he's an incredible comedian. He also plays uh, many other characters uh, across lots of different uh, cartoons. He's been Master Splinter. He's been uh, so many other things. Uh, he's going to be hosting your late night show tonight. That's going to be on October 9th. Um, so we'll see if we have some fun Halloween surprises. Ooh. All right. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. I want to, I want to, uh, all your videos are still up on the pack theater, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I Twitch. think the last, the last two <clears throat> at least are up on the pack theaters, Twitch. And if not, you can go to our, our YouTube. Um, it's your late night show tonight. And you can look through, fun clips of, of, of previous shows okay awesome that's what i'm gonna do after i watch man of tomorrow on dc <laughs> fando uh yeah. i'm gonna do that um but uh thank you gil for coming on the show i always appreciate it you all you bring the top notch do i really <laughs> i you love do. being here i love you know? getting to talk comics and nerd shit with you because you're yeah. amazing yeah i i, I th it's it's awesome when people like 
can like we can do it. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. We can do it. Um, Paul, what do you got, man? What do you got? Uh, I'm just gonna start reading a lot of Jeff John stuff. Uh, you guys are connecting a lot of the dots because uh, <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of dots to connect. Let's be fair. Yeah, I, I was a fan of War of Light, but I didn't know how much of a Jeff Johns move that was. So I'm just gonna look out for that. Uh, okay. I, I'm on I'm on Twitch now, so you can look for me at Mr. Plow on Twitch, and uh, I'll be doing impressions and playing video games. Okay, and uh, I'll be working on the key. Yeah, as you are as co-producer. So uh, thank you, Paul, for mm -hmm. coming on the show. Um, Remember, really we're just excited that there's a cop. <laughs> yeah uh 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 what was i saying what was I saying? oh uh before i get going i know that uh i want to shout out to bcl aries who's number one fan of the show he's subscribed he's been give gifting subscriptions so uh thank you uh brent for doing that um uh he brought up a couple of questions in the comments so i'm just gonna rattle them off uh he says that um um Tomorrow Never Dies was right when Lois and Clark ended in 97. So that that explains our Terry Hatcher stuff. That makes sense. Uh, he also says, is Pennyworth any good? I don't know because I never, I didn't watch it. Because again, I'm a no continuity for. So I, I, I have yet to buy into that. Ask Steve Biggs. Steve Biggs has watched it because Steve Biggs loves everything DC. Um uh, he also says Latin X is specifically supposed to be gender neutral, so Latin X men seems contradictory. So that's true. Uh, he says, "Let's see how Tenet goes for Black Bond." Um, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Have you guys seen Tenet? Tenet yet? Because I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I don't have thirty dollars. Yeah, I'm really interested in. Um, I like uh, what's his name? Jonathan John Washington, John David Washington. I right. love him. Um, and so, you know, he also says he feels like Black Widow is the female James Bond. Yeah, when done right. But it's not James Bond because you can't have those same James Bond attributes to her because it would bog her down. But that's what I think. Um, I feel like calling out certain yeah. people in the in the comments that are watching. Atten is watching. Commander Root is watching. Kamula is watching. But not Ka Kamula Harris? No, it's Comula. Uh, Comula? C O M M U L A. Comula. Uh, that's probably Comula uh, Harris's uh, Twitch uh, username. Uh, need him, H Y M N, and Princess underscore League. Give us a follow if we said your name. You've been watching this for a long time, so thank you. Um, either way, uh, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. We release our podcast there. We have a new show coming on Sundays where we play Call of Cthulhu, but it's more like a TV show. So if you like that narrative, uh, we're going balls to the walls with a new show called Adventures into Darkness. So we're going to be doing that as well. Plus the Keeg back every Friday and the Keeg live every Saturday. Thank you guys so much for watching. Uh, Paul, Gil, once we're done, you can peace out. Um, and uh yeah thank you guys for watching once again i'm your host dimitri and this has been the keeg live take care boom boom
super fast.